welcome to episode 56 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL. With me tonight, the usual crew, the the, the new usual, the new norm. Ooh. Ooh. We have uh, we have John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Uh, Chris Chung at Prime LOL. Back in Adam, please. And Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. How goes it? And we should have Calvin back next week. Hopefully, everything's working out well for him. Uh, so, uh, all the regular seasons are over. The only thing going right now is EU Masters, and I believe Turkey has their, their finals this weekend. Uh, that's all we have left. That's it. We had Latin America. All the, a lot of the minor regions closed up this weekend, too. But uh, I think we can, we'll can. we just briefly go over the LPL finals, because that was a pretty awesome series. We have one listener question that we didn't get to last week, mostly because I forgot to write it down, so my bad. Uh, then we're going to talk a couple news pieces, and then we're going to do our all-pro voting. The Gold Card Podcast all-pro voting. So we're going to have our all-pro teams for each of the leagues, and then our all-world first and second teams, as well as our league MVPs. So, we'll do a little bit of those hypotheticals that we... Uh, we always talk about so that's going to be the topic for the show tonight since we have a couple weeks of downtime now um if you guys have any suggestions for show topics we're taking those uh whether it's like evergreen stuff like maybe we'll do another mailbag show in this time but uh any listener questions reviews ideas for uh big picture topics or anything like that send them our way tweet at us and everything and uh you know we'll definitely put those to use so How's everybody doing tonight? You guys good? How was your week? First, like, sort of down week. Had, like, a little bit of time to yourselves for a change. How's everybody been doing this week? Terrible, Vince. Getting destroyed in a new Masters. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't touch that tournament. I've been, like, watching it a little bit here and there. It's like, dude, this is a clown fiesta half the time. But it's super fun to watch. <sighs> I don't know. Fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, no break for us DFSers. We still tried to grind through that, but... um. It's been not as hectic. I think it's a good way to enjoy before the summer split starts. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple weeks. Uh, I was like, I was telling John before the show started, like I've been operating under the assumption that the summer splits were going to start up like the middle of May because that's like the initial dates that they had projected, and they didn't announce that they were going to change anything until like recently. So now it's like pushed to June. So we have a couple weeks of downtime now, like an actual regular off season, like we would have. So, what about you, Josh? What have you been up to? I've been playing just a crap load of League and TFT. Just been grinding, trying to climb in ranked. I've been, uh, I can't break through the diamond barrier in TFT and it's tilting me like no other, but I'll, I will get there. I swear. He's got the confidence. Yeah, I've actually been playing a lot more too. Um, getting, get my SEAL teams ready, you know. Uh, that season started up for us. Free advertising, by the way. I'll have to plug, I'll have to plug in at the end of the show, but it's super fun. Um, yeah. Not a whole lot going on this week, other than so let's let's talk the LPL finals. Uh, it was a good series. Like, did I? I mean, that series didn't quite go how I expected it to, but it was like a good series that I expected it to. If you know what I'm saying, like, I kind of thought JDG was going to dominate, and they didn't for a little bit. Like, it was just good. Both teams played really well. I don't even think TOP played badly. Did anything like really stick out to you, or was it just like? The team that made more plays won. Like I like I just thought it was a good series. Yeah, I thought uh, like top was more competitive than I expected them to be. I kind of expected them to get beaten up pretty good by JDG, and they ended up being 
pretty darn good. They, they competed. They maybe should have won the series. Like they were, it was it was a very good performance from them. JDG ends up winning. Who I think we all had kind of said that we thought that JDG was going to win. So expected result, but the series doesn't play out the way that I expected it to play out. Yeah. I think I went in a little bit jaded by all of the other finals being blowouts when I expected them to be a little closer. So I kind of expected this one to follow suit and it ended up being the only final that's been close so far. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, I thought G2 Fnatic were going to be a, a close final and G2 obviously smashed. I thought uh, FlyQuest, you know, after what they did to EG, I thought they had a chance to maybe take me off Cloud9. And I definitely thought that, Gen G would put up a better fight against T1 than they did. So after, the, I don't know. I just, I think all those things, <clears throat> looking back on it, probably might have clouded my judgment a little bit into thinking that this would be a uh, a bit more of a one-sided affair. Um, Chris, thoughts on the LPL finals? Yeah, like I think um, this was fun to be going all the way to game five, right? And it's um, it, it was a few plays here and there that really changed a lot of the how the game outcome and I thought TES had chance up until game five. I mean it's surprising to see how well they play um in, in championship level. Uh, it wasn't as surprising to me because I did predict it a three two victory for JDG, but uh, just to be able to watch it was amazing. It's one of the few championships that it's it's actually exciting over the whole spring. Yeah, it definitely delivered. Like it was a fun series to watch. It was it was weird. The the first two games were like super high level by both teams. And then things started breaking down a little bit as people made adjustments and everything. And it kind of just came I actually thought like if you had to pick like a player from each team, because I actually thought three six nine played an outstanding series. I thought he was just gonna get dumpstered and he maybe not dumpster, but I thought Zoom was gonna have the edge like a big edge on him and that was not the case. He played a really good series this season, uh in this match. Uh, but it was, dude, Lou Mao. <laughs> Lou Mao, Lou Mao had, I mean, is this the game? I mean, he was so good all series, but like the game five, like he had, he like almost lost the game for his team single-handedly. This is like, this is the most barred thing ever, by the way. Can we just talk about that for a second? The character he played in game five, it's an extremely high skill cap support champion bard because the ultimate can be disastrous if it's used incorrectly. Or it could be, like, the sickest thing you've ever seen. And we saw both in the same game, in a Game 5. I thought it was so ballsy bringing it out, like, in a Game 5 of a final. Like, I, I thought that was so, like, you need to have some cojones on you to, to bust the bust the bard out like that. But, oh, and then yeah. it, looked, it looked like he lost the game. It, like, literally looked like he was going to lose the game with that with that first really bad one. <laughs> like, the next two were just the sickest bard else I've ever seen. Yeah, crazy ballsy, and then turns it into, like, one of the biggest wombo combos ever. Watching that Bard alt come off right as the Ornhorn was going into them, like, all the abilities running through them. Oh, it was gross. What a wombo combo. And it hit everyone but the AD carry. Like, I, it was, like, just insane, the one in the mid lane. I, that play was nuts. Like, he just completely, one play, one ultimate, completely shifted the entire power of the uh, of the entire game. I think that's what's fun about that champion, though, is it. That's it. Like that's why you play it. Is like it's. It's not even like I don't want to say I don't want to call it feast or famine, because it's not. Like it's a high skill champion. Like you can tell the players that are good at it. Like it makes a difference. That the ultimate is. I don't think people realize. Like it is really hard because it's dynamic timing. Like it's. It takes. It has a travel time on it. 
So the further you're throwing it, you need to be able to judge, like, the timing of it against the skills that your opponents are using, against the skills your allies are using, and for the distance you have to account for. Like, there's a lot of things to account for. It's way harder to use than people think. Yes. So... Compare that to, like, a quarterback throw, you know? It's, like, the timing has to be perfect. It has to be right on time. And the people... There's so much variables that you can go wrong where you're missing someone or you're missing some structure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like, you can you can blow a tower dive because you stopped the tower. You can blow a tower... You can make a tower dive happen because you stopped the tower. Like, there's just so many variables with that. I actually like it because it's... It's a way to introduce, like, somewhat controlled variance to a game. And if you trust your capabilities on it, like there's a lot of other like little things that Bard's good against, like like that he's good for besides that. But the ultimate is, it's just one of those high impact ultimates. Like I, I don't know, there's certain ultimates in this game that are just like huge impact. I know in like uh, I'm trying to think of what, the, what like there's just certain characters in like Dota. It's the same thing. Like there's certain Dota characters that the ultimate is like the entire kit basically. Um, was it? I'm trying to think. Of, I think it's uh, Nether Void maybe. I can't remember the name of it, but like. It's just like this big, gigantic gravity well ultimate where it's like if you hit it, it's the most savage thing ever, but it's really hard to hit right. And like Bard ultimate's that. Misfortune ultimate when you hit it right is like the sickest ult in the game. Um, there's just certain ultimates in this game that are like that. And I always like they're excited. Like the characters that have those are just really exciting to watch to me. So I thought it was really cool. Um, did you see the little like the, the little award ceremony for Lumao afterwards? It was so adorable. Oh, it was oh, so adorable. Dude. This whole so wholesome. It was. Yeah, so I think we were all on JDG. Uh, I had JDG Futures. So I was super stoked that they won. Um, two teams that we were high on before the season, right? I think all of us were pretty high on both of these teams going into the season. So, Yeah, I had them second and third. I thought like that was a reasonable, reasonable outcome for them to be in the finals. I did think FPX was number one going into the season, but yeah. Pretty much, uh, kind of played out a bit how we thought it was going to. Kind of the back. It was a good series. I, <laughs> I was like when a final delivers. It's just exciting. And like I think Josh, you made a really good point. Like none of the other finals were particularly exciting. Like Gen Gen G laid a huge egg. Fnatic and G two was sort of an egg, but like any one of those teams could just pop off on the on the other in a given day. And then, like, the other regions, you just didn't think were going to be particular. Like, Cloud9 wasn't going to be close to anybody. So, yeah, I don't, it, was, it was good seeing, like, an entertaining final, and it was, like, the one we had to wait for. So, that was good, at least. Uh, so, we had a, anything else in the LPL finals? Anything else in the LPL season in general? Like, we're going to be talking more about the summer season and, then like, you know, takeaways from this past season. But, like, if you had to put, like, a one-sentence, like, punctuate or, like, put a punctuation on, on this season for the LPL... One actually, just one thing before we go up there, uh, we should. I don't know if we touched on this last week. We should touch on the Uzi news, right? Uh, I'll I'll bring I'll, I'll write that down. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah, that's such a, yeah, but yeah, uh, LPL was um, like intriguingly deep in terms of like who I actually thought had a chance to compete for playoffs. Like I think there was like a pretty big like I think I don't remember if it was three or four teams competing for that last spot. Um, but it's always hard in those giant leagues to figure out who, <clears throat> like the difference between eighth and first is obviously pretty big. So like just being a playoff team doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I thought it was interesting that I think it was literally like 10 or 11 teams realistically could have made the playoffs in a league like that. Um, and it wasn't like an NA situation where it's just like, everyone's so damn bad that everyone has a chance of making it. It's like, these teams are all 
<clears throat> you know, talented in different ways. Uh, you have some that are just like have one standout player, some that don't really have any standout players. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting just to see kind of the depth of the league. Yeah, I mean, they're, the, the league, there's so many good teams in the LPL this season. There was a lot of good teams that didn't make the playoffs even. Like, I, there were some teams that were that had bad stretches, but overall I felt like they were good teams and they just didn't get there in the end. It was, yeah, the whole league is just really strong. If I was putting it in one sentence, I don't know, best teams in the world maybe. Because I, I think the LPL is, is better than everybody right now by a fair bit. Except G2. Just as a league, like overall talent-wise, I think their overall talent level is way higher than the other leagues. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's it's like characters. Like all these teams have their own flavor, their own character, but they're also all like very good in their own ways, which makes it like really intriguing to watch. And it's weird because at the same time, I do think that's kind of the downfall for a lot of these teams that they get stuck in their ways and they're really stubborn and they could afford to change some things without compromising their like who they are too much. And they just don't because they don't have to because the league doesn't force them to. But, like, the overall talent level is insane. And I think we said going into the season that, like, this is going to be, like, a 10 or 11 or 12 deep playoff situation. We kind of thought the bottom five were all good. And then E-Star just threw almost all of us for a loop with how good they were at the gates. And really, at the, I mean, they were they were fine. It's not like they fell off at the end of the season. They just fell off a little bit. It wasn't, like, a huge, like, collapse. Um. Yeah, so like I mean that that was a fun story to watch cuz I don't th- no Cal- I think Calvin was the highest on E-Star out of all of us. And even Calvin was like what are they like he had him like 13th or something like that like I don't think yeah, no anybody theory. expected that. But proving the thing we were talking about at the beginning of the season about the new players coming in. Yeah, but they're not new fun. players though. That's the thing. All new teams I should say. I yeah. Uh, wait, outside of Wink who else was Chelsea's this is like his 6 year as a pro. Oh, Black Wolves. Yeah, uh, Crying had like a long stint in LDL. I think he played in like uh, Challenger Korea too. I think. So now Zhao uh, uh, and Zhabai, they oh, I'm mixing them up now. Yeah, they they, they they I didn't know anything about. So like as far as I know, they were new. So yeah, that uh, the LPL was like it was more interesting. Than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be pretty interesting. So that says something, I guess. Um, underdogs was the story, though. It's so weird that like underdogs were the story, but then you look at the fi- like the results, like the playoff picture, and it's like not surprising at all, right? Yes, the whole season played out in such a fun way. You know, the, um, the underdogs, wow. good story. Yeah, a lot of good underdog stories, but like you say, mostly still the same teams we kind of expected in the Final Four, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's this whole angle of, like, the condensed schedule. We've talked that to death. I don't want to – I just want to, like, remind people that that was a thing. Like, maybe that contributed to some of the bizarre situations we saw this season. But, like, yeah, it made it fun. It made it super interesting. I'm going to be really interested to see how the LPL looks in the summer, like what kind of changes happen. Um, I mean, I guess – all right, we're gonna get to that in a second. I, w- I want to get I want to get to this listener question we forgot from last week, and then uh, we'll we'll talk about a big news piece from the LPL. You guys, anything else in the LPL? It's a good season, right? It was my most pro. Actually, I I think it was my most profitable region this split. I'm just gonna take a quick look, a quick gander. Yeah, the LPL was by far my most profitable. Like like. 
uh, league this way, which is totally S backwards from every other year I've been handicapping. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much. I don't know. Um, so we had one listener question left from last week uh, at LCS Picks, uh, and this is a pretty good one, or it's at least a very interesting one. He says, are there any stats you guys feel like are predictive of a team or player that is underperforming? For example, in soccer, a positive expected goal differential with a losing record usually indicates value for upcoming matches, um, positive regression, that kind of thing. Um, is there anything that you look at uh, stats-wise in league for this kind of thing, or is it more just like film stuff? I'll, I'll throw it to you guys first because I kind of have like a really – My number one stat that, I, that I've talked about a few times is like passive goal generation. If teams are gaining leads when there aren't kills and towers going down, if they're just gaining leads through farming and macro stuff, that usually tells me that, like, the kills can be kind of random, whether a dive goes right or wrong or how a skirmish in the river goes, and maybe they miss one ability and they end up getting behind. But if they are generally passively creating more gold than their opponents, I usually think that's a good sign that they're going to be better than they've looked. Who wants to take this next, Chris, Josh? I don't know what to tell you. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> Stats are uh, not my forte. Yeah, I'm kind of like a numbers geek. So I have a lot. I think a lot is basically like just the statistical ways of measuring what John is saying. Uh, so like on Oracle's Elixir, for example, they have something called the gold, gold percent rating, which is like just the percentage of the gold in the game that you have. Um, and then the gold spent differential, which is just kind of like basically like is a, is assigned to me of like your understanding when to back properly, timing your backs well and making your buys efficiently. Um, and so like it can get you into trouble though. Cause like the team that was fourth, this split in LCS and gold percentage rating was team liquid. And they were also third in gold spend differential. So I just kept betting on them all split to turn it around and they just never did. Um, but you know, it's, it's a best of one league. It's kind of like the NFL. Sometimes regression doesn't hit in a small sample size. Uh, so yeah, generally, I think I think there's a lot of statistics like that. Um, there's other things, just like you know the the typical gold per minute uh, and things like that that you look at Drake percentage, Graham percentage. But generally, generally these things can indicate uh, team regression. Uh, on the player level, it's a little bit harder just because almost everything, and we've talked about this before, almost everything on the player level is based on the team. If that makes sense. So like. Regardless of if you're if you're in, a, in the jungle, then uh, it's pretty dependent on what type of champion you have. If you're going to have like heavy farm, or if you're going to be giving a lot of your farm to your laners. If you're in the lanes, it can be dependent on whether or not you're on a laner that's going to bully out of lane, or you're getting camped by your, or you're getting like focused by your jungler, or you're playing weak side. So like, it can be really tough, I think, on the player level. But yeah, generally. The team level where you have uh, just a bigger picture, you can usually use a lot of stuff related to gold. Yeah, I know um, the, the, like, the not easy answer here is is to just say context again, but it really is like so much of everything where if – I think a lot of these like rate statistics are awesome. Like they're really, really good for giving you like a good snapshot of what's going on, but it does take a little bit of extra diving to, to discover the context of that situation, right? So like – yeah, this person might have an absurdly high CS difference. I mean, I'll, I'll pull up an example just to answer this question, right? Like, there's certain players that we'll, – we'll pull Chovy, right? Chovy gets a CS advantage. He has a huge CS differential. He has a huge goal differential, a huge experience differential, right? 
part of the reason, and and it's not out of con like the context of it is he's not just getting favorable matchups every single game. He's outplaying matchups that he shouldn't be winning a lot of the time, and. You can look at stuff like jungle proximity, like when they when they put that up on the right stuff. So we gotta find a way to pull that too. That's gotta be, yeah. Side note for after the show. <laughs> um, like you can look at how much attention the jungle's getting for like weak side top laners. If they're still getting CS differentials, like advantages and stuff like that, it probably means that they're like outplaying bad matchups or bad situations. But a lot of it comes down to like situation so there's not really a clean way to answer it i love the goal percent rating as a team indicator uh, i think it's a great stat if you look at that across the board pretty much like all the like truly elite teams like not just playoff teams like actual elite teams have absurdly high gpr scores if you look at them and then like a lot of these teams that were like playoff teams but inconsistent were a lot closer to the middle of the pack so i think that's a pretty good indicator um well at least this season it's been a pretty good indicator but again you still need context for stuff so um, there's no clean answer. I like GPR. I like a lot on individual player level. I like, um, differential stats and I like efficiency stats, uh, like gold damage per gold and stuff like that, provided it's not skewed because of like a certain champion choice that they're playing a lot. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, uh, Huan Fang playing misfortune every game was one that we pulled up a lot. Uh, who was the, who, who was the one that there was somebody that got a Felios like six games in a row or something. And that's Kramer. Oh no, that was Senna. Kramer got Senna like six games. Oh, okay. And that kind of actually trashed his farm numbers for the season. So like a lot of the stuff requires context. Um, there obviously there's situations like that that are like clear outliers. Like Senna is clearly an outlier for for just like the way it's played. But even looking at like a Caitlyn versus a Cogmall, right? Cogmall is obviously going to do more damage for gold as long as he didn't get blown out early in the game, right? Just it's just the nature of the champion. Like some champions just do more damage, but. Yeah, for lack of, like, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this, but I think there's some stuff that are pretty solid indicators, but nothing is, like, a, a cut-and-dry, clear thing. I think gold is, like, gold generation and economy is the, the easiest thing to point to because it's the most repeatable, uh, especially gold and economy that aren't reliant on kills. So, like, passive gold generation, farm, um, like, towers. Like, that kind of gold is is way more indicative of things than gold generated from kills, unless it's something that's you know, there's been intent showed, like E-Star, for example, right? Or Invictus. So, like, Dra- like Dragon good. Dragon X were, like, the kings of this this season, right? Like, Dragon X all season long had just, just absurd passive gold numbers. Like, I don't want to say passive because it's obviously not, but, like, they had absurd, like, non-kill variant. Like, they did not need kills to have a massive resource advantage on you. And, like, that's why I was so high on Dragon X all season. Now, that doesn't always pan out, but that was just, like, that's an example of one on the other side. And then you look at a team like, I think Damwon is, like, the other end of that spectrum, where if you look at Damwon's metrics, even when they were winning, it was, like, pretty close. They had, like, very feast or famine games. So it skewed a lot of their numbers, especially if you're looking at, like, trending stuff, like, the last couple games. So I think, like, you need to look at the big picture, digest the whole thing, and, like, find out the context of the numbers you're looking at. And then they can be indicative. But, again, like, just make sure you're not just looking at a number and being like, oh, that's it. Like, that's all there is to it. Yeah, I think I think like what you said, context super important. Uh, I also think understanding the relationship between two of the variables can be really important. Uh, something you just mentioned actually that kind of triggered in my head, but like if you combine like gold percent rating with like just kill to death ratio, uh, so like you were saying, it's gold not coming from kills. So like if you see a team with a negative kill to death ratio or just below one, they have you know fewer kills than than uh, deaths. 
but they are winning in gold, that's a good sign of like kind of what John was saying. And what you were saying is that you may be losing sort of like the randomness of kills and dives and whatnot, but you're still finding other advantages on the map just between just farm, tower plates, whatever it may be. That's the G2 special, right? Like, like last season in particular, like summer and like spring and summer last year, the G2 special was like, they would play all these games that were like, Invictus did this a lot too, where they play these games that are like 24 to 20 in kills. And like, you have all this gold on the map, so both teams are going to have crazy economies. And then you look at it, it's like, oh, they just are still like 6k gold up. Like, how do they do that? Like, yeah, how many with G2 where it's like they're down nine kills to two and the gold's even? Yeah, like so many games. There were so many games where that happened last year, so. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and that honestly, that could be like that. That's a deep dive if you really want to like go down the rabbit hole for a lot of that stuff. Um, that could almost be like its own topic, honestly. Like that that could be like its own show. Um, any other thoughts on this one? Th- uh, that's at LCS Picks. Uh, thank you for the question. He's been a pretty active user on Twitter, I think, with all of us, which is pretty cool. So we like that. We like the community engagement. So, um, uh, let's see couple news pieces and then we're going to get to our all pro teams so um we kind of teased it earlier but uh uzi is not renewing it or rng is not renewing uzi's contract that's wild like it kind of makes sense but this is like doesn't this feel like the patriots and Mahomes or the patriots and brady kind of where it's just like nah like brady didn't want to go back this feels more like colts and pain yeah, maybe. That's actually probably a better comp. You're right. You're right. I kind of have to tell myself a story about what could have happened here. Because it feels to me like if you're RNG, if Uzi's, like, hurt, like, one of the speculations is that maybe he's just not going to play anymore. Like, maybe he's just hurt, so they're getting rid of his contract. But even then, if you're RNG, you bring him back as an administrator, as a position coach. You bring him back as something. He's been the face of your franchise for the entire history of League of Legends. You offer him something, like... The only thing that I can think that could have happened to allow this to happen is he's going to be injured for a while, but he definitely wants to play. And RNG is saying, well, we've already got a team here. Like, we can't say for sure that you're going to play when you come back. And Uzi's saying, no, 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 I'm going to play when I come back. Put me on a different team. And that's the only thing I could think of, because if you're RNG, you have to pay whatever money it takes. You give Uzi the same treatment that SKT gave Faker, or yeah. you're just scum. Like if it comes if it comes out that they just decided not to offer it to him, nah, they're scum. They're dead to me. RNG's yeah. gone. Because it's that franchise, man. Yeah, that's what I thought made it particularly interesting is that kind of like in response to the things we've seen from even just like uh, TSM and Bjergsen, and then T1 and Faker. Like this, in contrast, made it seem way worse because I, I think they're all fairly similar situations. I think we can kind of all agree they're all it, it, you're yeah. the. Fan of the franchise and even to a, to a limited extent, TL and double lift. Uh, yeah. Like I just think that the, these two moves are very odd, but yeah, I mean, for all we know, maybe Uzi was similar to double lift in that, like what John just described was literally almost damn straight. The, the double lift situation. Right. So the one thing I'll say about this is that RNG seems to have this plan way back before the spring even started because there were rumors out there, or maybe it was confirmed that, RNG were pursuing Jackie Love. Uh, you don't do that when you had Uzi on your team, on your roster. Um, and that is just making me think that they were looking for a way out. They were already thinking about a backup plan, and this accelerated the plan because now it's leaked. They were looking for someone. 
Yeah, it's it's a really interesting. I, I like if he still. I think John. I think you just nailed it on the head, John. Like, I think the only way that this kind of thing happens and they don't just like give him a bunch of money and he retires gracefully, basically, or like just becomes a streamer or a coach or just even if he's like, uh, he's like an advisor. He just basically just gets. Oh yeah, you know, what, dude. Have some stock options. Hang out at the facility all you want. Like, give him whatever he wants because he's been the guy for so long. But you're right. Like this, it almost feels more like the double lift situation without all the drama, right? Where like double lift just want, he he doesn't want to retire. Like, he wants to keep playing. But if this situation is not going to work, like I want to go play somewhere else. So I would I would love to be like a fly on the wall because this is like I mean this is big. Like who's gonna get like. I, mean, I guess we should talk about potential landing spots, right? Because if I mean he's out, like they're not renewing his contract unless they're going to like rework and pay him less, which would be the old that would that would be the ultimate scumbag move, right? Yeah, that would be dirty if they decided to just pay him less money. Like unless he unless he like literally like tries to find work somewhere else and no one wants to shell like shell out the money for it, which would be stupid if you ask me. But if nobody wants to shell out the money for it and then he comes like comes back to them and says like, okay, like nobody wanted to pay me, can I like? hang out under your brand still which would be really awkward It'd be like no. sneaky almost but like no no thanks he doesn't him, go to na before you accept less time. money go right, here comes Sean with the fly the face of fly quest uzi. Uh, that's what we need fly quest uzi could you imagine could you imagine uzi in just like a tree jersey like just a like a tree outfit or a jersey a real life <laughs> Oh my god, eighty carry Ivern in before. <laughs> solo. Oh, no, come on. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like, really, like, let's. I guess we'll just keep it to the LP. Like, could he be the first like Chinese import to Korea? Maybe. I was gonna say like, if you're T one or Gen G, like, why not? Because you already have great eighty carries on your team. Yeah, you have Ruler yeah. and Teddy. That's hard to. Yeah, but. but... Do we really think Ruler and Teddy are better than Uzi? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, think t- I think Ruler and Teddy yeah, are both. So. I think they're on the same level. Mm. I actually I know. do. Yeah, they're pretty close, but I don't know. Uzi's – I'd have to see him play for the moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I-, I think, like, if you take, like, Uzi last year and those two, like, right now, I think it's, like, the same player. They're both – they're just all elite. They're insanely good. Um, but even, like, a Freaka or something then, right? Like a – A Freaka could use a player. I think uh, – Hanwha Life could use someone, but like I don't know if they're going to. No, could use the RNG. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be crazy? Look, another another um, LPL team could use him definitely. I think there's a couple of teams that are an ADC away from challenging. That's true. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's true. There's a lot of teams that could upgrade a little bit at the AD carry position and be in the playoffs or be a better contender. Do we think he's an upgrade over like LWX? That's hard. Mm, that's hard. I think anytime you're messing with that team, you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like G two. Like just don't, just don't fuck with this. Like just leave it alone. Let it be its thing. They're super Did good. Galaxy brain. G two Uzi. G two Uzi in the top lane. <laughs> Put Uzi in the top lane. No, just, move, just move caps to top. Move ca- yeah, same thought. Move caps to top. No. Yeah, yeah. caps plays top, and uh, that that's definitely what's going to happen. Or, or, you know, Mickey X retires. Injury. Woo! Oh, my Just God. Caps to the support. Caps going to play a third <laughs> position. 
straight center all every game. Like I'm trying to you think. You like, could do that, dude. Just put everybody else like as the players get phased out, just put them on like a secondary team that they scrim against, and then just start picking up guys from like every region. Boozy in the top lane, you know. I'm honestly wondering, like, sincerely, where he's going to land. I mean, teams like OMG, SMLZ didn't have a good yeah, split. Oh, dude, that would, be, that would be sick. There's teams that could really use, like, an upgraded AD carry. The problem is we just don't know what he looks like. We haven't seen him play in a long time. He might be might be not as good these days, especially cooked, if he's yeah. having health issues, yeah. I don't know. It's super interesting. Uh, any any other thoughts on that? Next up, we have uh, Jat is going to coach Team Liquid. I, I got to be honest with you. I like this, but I did not see this coming. Like, this was kind of a shocker to me. I didn't see it coming at all, but I think you're going to see more of this. Like, Raz going off to coach Golden Guardians Academy. I think you're going to see more of this because I had somebody ask me about this on Twitter, so I wanted to I find a place to, like, interject here and talk about it. But I don't think people realize a lot of these coaches don't, like, they don't have the game knowledge that people that are not coaches have like about the world meta and how the world is playing and all that kind of stuff. I just made a post about this, but I've had multiple people tell me that the coaches of like an NA team will watch their team's games, some of the other games from the NA region, and then some of the really high marquee matchups from other regions. Mm. Like there's a lot of people out there that are watching more games and digesting more information than some of the current coaches. And I think casters are a really good example of people that I see like being involved in every region, watching all the games. I think they're, they make a really good, like easy move into coaching or being a GM as well. I thought Papa Smithy going to hundred thieves was one of the most genius moves of the last year and a bit. I think there, you're going to see success from casters as coaches. I also did not see this coming whatsoever though. Yeah. I, I guess we can, we can do like the, a brief like side topic on just like the casters to coaching situation. I know Josh, you saw me talking to like, the seal discord about this, right? Like, I think don't forget everyone always tries to point to just money for this and like it definitely plays a role but like I just want to remind people that a lot of the people that like like when you're doing casting there's only so high you can go like casting the LCS is as high as you can possibly go or casting one of these top leagues whichever league you want to cast that is the best you can do. Like, there's no upper ceiling in this besides, like, I mean, you're seeing some of them, like, produce their own content and stuff now. There's the casters that, like, none of these guys dislike casting. It has nothing to do with that. Most of them don't even dislike the, the companies they were working for. Because, like, that's not the situation as much anymore. Do I think some of the casters probably need to be paid more? Yeah. You should try to, you need to make it appealing to your talent to stay, right? You need to make the decision hard for them. But a lot of these guys are just hyper-motivated, and they want to do other stuff. And, like, don't always just point to money or riot for this kind of thing. A lot of them, it's just like, Papa Smith, he probably always wanted to be a general manager of a team. He always wanted to build it. Like, he probably always wanted to build a team. And it probably had nothing to do with the upward trajectory or whatever. But I just think, like, there's so many people that are just pointing fingers. And, like, sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes these are just hyper-motivated people that want to do something else, you know? And I think um, you're right that the, the ceiling is the ceiling changes. If you become affiliated with one of these organizations like team liquid, you're a coach, maybe a few years from now, you're the GM, maybe a few years after that, you're an executive of some kind. Like there's a, a like a ceiling with a, with a lot of money and, and that kind of stuff involved later. Whereas like you say, with casting, that's it what you're going to do. It's whatever the rate for casting is. That's what you're going to get. There's no better place to go. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. just want to do something different too. So it's not like, go, go ahead, Josh. I mean, 
No, yeah, I was just going to say, I think uh, I think it's a lot of it's about upward mobility. But, like, the thing with casting is, like, even if you're identified as one of the best, like, that means you might get to cast one world final game in your entire career, right? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, uh, like I, I'm, like, very vocal about it. I think Captain Flowers is, like, just the most captivating caster. I think he's, like, super good. And he's – I think he casted, like, the – uh, the Fnatic IG World Final Series, and it's like you know, like how much higher, like that's the penultimate, right? You know what I mean? What else? What else is there? In ter- but you know, like John said, if you get associated with one of these teams, well, then it's just like any organization. You have your chance to maybe work your way up the ladder and eventually become an owner of a team or something like that, right? Like even uh, you see this in the NFL all the time, like players become casters and then go back to a team in an administrative role move out to a GM and can eventually become an owner. Like, yeah, I think it's sometimes it's just about doing something different. Like yeah. Raz, like, it's not like he's going right to the top, like head coaching. He's coaching a challenger team. Like, it's not like he just wanted to coach. So he still does. Like, I don't know. He, he like guest cast on the, on the, the unofficial cast a couple times. And like, he still likes casting. He's had nothing to do with that. He just wanted to do something else also. So, and well, what fan has not watched and been like, I could build a better team than yeah. these stupid idiots are building. I'd get all kinds of the fucking best rookies and I'd put everybody together right and I'd have the championship winner. Like any fan of the game has had those thoughts and then these guys are in a position where they can do that. They can just reach out to the team and say, hey, you know, I think I can do a great job here. And I think they're going to be right more often than they're wrong. So just bring it back to, to Jet. Um, I mean, they didn't get rid of, like they just kind of like reshuffled the ranks. He's just going to be there as another coach now, presumably the head coach. I think he is the head coach, right? He's the head coach, yeah. So can take a step to the side, which, I mean, that could be good for both. I mean, that that was a big deal with them this season. And it kind of – I don't think it went under the radar. Obviously, there were some drafting issues. But to me, this can only help them. Because Jat knows his shit. Like, if this was just like – Honestly, there are some casters where I'd be like, okay, like I don't know if that's going to affect anything. But Jat knows his shit. He's been around. He's done everything. Jad is one of the few people in this industry, in this game, that has literally done, like, pretty much everything besides this. And I'm sure he did some of this when he was, like, a player that that was getting ready to retire as a player. Like, can still play at an extremely high level, has cast, has been on the design team. He's done a million different things. Like, he's done he's done everything. And I think this could be a good move. He's one of the few people, I think, that can pull this off. I'll say that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm optimistic for Team Liquid. Any other thoughts on this one? Can't wait for Shocks to take over TSM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to miss the JLXP experience spot. Yeah, I know. He can't do that. Obviously. I know. That's a bummer. It'd be badass as hell if he did, though. <laughs> if they would just, like, listen, I ain't stopping this, even if I'm... <laughs> That's just good. Okay. Um, so, another thing. We have uh, LCK and the LPL announced that they're going to be doing, like, their own... They didn't put a name on it, but they're going to be doing like their own like mini L, like mini MSI between the LPL teams and LC, like top LPL and LCK teams. It's going to be like an online streamed event, which that I'm kind of excited for that. We don't have any more info. I just wanted to mention that they they announced that an event will be happening. They haven't said when or what or who yet. So it will be an event between the top LCK and LPL teams, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, not a ton to say. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll enjoy it. There'll probably be DFS slates for it. I'm in. I think it's going to be awesome for both these leagues because I think they can both learn a lot from each other. I've been saying that all season long. I just want international events. Like, I want these teams playing each other as often as possible. 
I mean, I would just watch just these two regions play each other all the time. I mean, yeah. this, hopefully they'll be a little different than uh, Rift Rivals, because kind of, that's kind of the idea here, but hopefully they do something a little different. Yeah, it's a little weird that, like, I don't know what's going to be on the line in terms of, like, prize money or if this is just an exhibition, but, like, I, I these two teams, these two regions are highly competitive, and I would assume they're both going to take it seriously just because, like, I mean, realistically, this is who you're going to be facing at Worlds in six months or whatever, right? Or four months, five months, whatever it is. So, I, I assume they'll be taking it seriously. I hope we get to see, like, four teams from each. That would be so cool to me. You just play, like, one big group, round robin. Everybody plays everybody, like, once or twice. That'd be so cool. Just do it over, like, two weeks. We'll see. Oh, yeah, it'd be, be awesome to watch. Yeah. And you're right. They can definitely learn some things from each other and improve. Um, Yeah, not much else to say on that because we just don't have any more info on it yet. So, keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes peeled. I'm sure we'll be retweeting stuff. Um. Perks and Caps are going to be switching roles again. Kind of not surprised. But also, this is terrifying for Europe because it means G2 is in full tryhard mode now. Yeah, I think most oh, there was a lot of people, including me, throughout this season that were just saying, you know, this version just doesn't quite look as good. It doesn't seem like the cohesion was as there. Perks roaming bot didn't look nearly as clean as Caps roaming bot. The laning phase with Perks seemed better in the bot lane. So I think this just makes a lot of sense. I think they were better with Perks in the bot lane. So how much, how insane is it that you just have the luxury to do this because you're so good? <laughs> like, can we just talk about that for a second? Like, how how many teams on Earth can do that? Really? Victory five. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh my god, I don't even know. Like, I, I mean, this makes G two better, right? Yeah, I think so. Which is insane. To, uh, whatever. I think it's. I think the answer is yes, but also. I, I think it's going to be overreacted to in a sense because I think if you, if you like, I don't know, I'm just trying to remember, and it's hard because recency bias is a hell of a drug, but I feel like Perks wasn't great at AD carry in spring split last year. Um, and, like, maybe I'm just not remembering correctly, but I feel like he, he wasn't that good. And so, like, maybe it's a situation – and, like, he – I thought he, like, vastly – Definitely was one of the best AD carries by the time Worlds was over and probably, I think, the best Zaya player. Uh, and so that just makes me a little bit skeptical in that, like, it could just be that Perks, or, I mean, Caps just hadn't had enough time to, to get, you know, used to the role. I mean, all of these players have been playing their positions forever, right? Like, these, since they've become a pro, they've pretty much stuck to one position and played it, right? Like, you maybe play your occasional fill games in solo queue, but that's what, you know, one or two out of every 30, 50, you know what I mean? Like not very often. So, you know, I think it's probably an upgrade. Uh, I do think that it, you know, might've looked a little bit different if you would have had more time to get used to the role. I think it's worth noting too, that like when you are as good as these, this team is really like all these players and this team, and you can afford to do this if for nothing else, than to keep things fresh and keep, just sometimes like you get stagnant and you develop bad habits and like trends and, and, and things like just stuff that you keep doing over and over and a role, like a swap like this, especially like, I mean, you can listen to professional players complain about 80 carry till the cows call home. Right. Like that's like the most, that's the biggest meme in the league community is 80 carries worthless. Right now. Maybe caps was just like, he couldn't take another six months of this or something. And he was just like, listen, I got to switch. Like, Maybe we'll switch again later in the summer, but I got I got to take a break. And they can afford to do that because they're that good. Why wouldn't you, right? Like, I think one thing grabs like outside of being an X's and O's like dra and drafting genius a lot of the time. Like, 
this guy kind of has that. Who was the Who was the Bulls coach or the Lakers coach? Uh, Phil Jackson. Phil Jack. He kind of has that Phil Jackson vibe where he gets his players. Like, do you guys get that vibe really from any other coach? He's the only one that's at least like been in the limelight that way. But it definitely feels like they're a six man unit. They're yeah, not, like he like seriously just feels just like like he 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 feels like part of the crew. It's from, not from like what this, I understand. From what I understand, Mithy's similar, right? Just, I mean, yeah. and he's similar age. But, like, I heard Reckless talking on his stream one time, and he he was trying to be very respectful about it. And he was saying, like, I don't mean any disrespect to any of my former coaches or anything. He's like, Mithy just, like, gets it better because he's been there, like, as recently as you know, three, four months ago, right? Uh, and so, like, he understands a lot better, like, what work-life balance actually means for a team. Because it's not, like, uh, if you're a little bit naive to that, and like John said, right, like, not all of these coaches have backgrounds in playing. Like they're not all, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, and I don't know anything, don't mean to speak bad on a young buck or whatever, but, but I think it's just different if you have the perspective of a player. So yeah, I, I think uh, kind of adapting to that and being personable with your players and like being able to joke with them and, and be serious with them uh, just helps you connect better. But yeah, I think, I think Mithy's probably similar on, on a similar level. That transitions into another point I'd make about this too. It transitions well because I think the same thing applies to the switch between Caps and Perks in that playing bot lane for an entire split might have given Caps a better idea of how best to play around the bot lane when he is a mid laner. Um, I think that actually could play like kind of a factor into this is them both understanding what the AD carry and support need out of the mid laner is, uh, is really good. And they always have the ability to switch back and forth as well. Who knows? We might just see them just popping around back and forth all split. Yeah, I think when when there's a certain baseline, like when you when you get to this level of good, and you were able to do this at a at the highest level, why wouldn't you? Like it makes you a better player. Like it's one of the few ways you can actually keep improving. And like I actually think like breadth, like like developing multiple tools is is when you're at the highest level already. That's like the best way to improve rather than just like staying the best at one thing. And, like, that goes for changing what kind of champions you play, maybe what role you're playing. Like, not every role swap has gone bad. Like, I mean, we saw, like, Arrow, uh, mm. Score. Like, th- there have been a lot of – not Arrow, Score. Score is the one I was thinking of. Uh, like, there have been a lot of good transitions. And Score, by the end of his career – Score was one of the best players of all time by the end of his career, and it's because he did everything pretty much. Like, there's a certain amount of knowledge you gain from that that I think is uh, – it, it's kind of like an intangible. Like, it's hard to measure. So, I think if you can afford to do it, and you're that good, yeah, you should, by all means, people should be doing this more often, I think. so. Just a quick question to you yeah. then, Jalad, because you, you coach. How hard is it to prepare if you don't know which role? Because they both can play at each, each of the role very well at a high level. So, is there a preparation advantage over for, your, um, for the team, over the opponent, not knowing like where to go? Because... You can't. They can say they're gonna start at this role, and then just suddenly decide to swap. Yeah, I mean that's definitely an ad, like that's definitely an edge that they're gonna have for sure. Um, but it's kind of, I mean, maybe they weighed the options and were like, that's gonna outclass us. Maybe not having as dialed in an idea of like our understanding of every single meta matchup because that's like the real reason like you do have to focus on one roles because you just need to know every single matchup. You need to play enough games. You need to get a big enough sample size to have experience and understand the dynamic, like the minutia, like the smaller dynamics of each individual, like matchup basically in lane, which is why you don't see people swapping roles too much. 
until recently where people have more game experience and and the you know the roles becoming a little more homogenized so um it, they probably weighed their options between like the psychological benefits of switching things up for the sake of switching things up and then also the fact that they're both extremely good players um they probably felt that they could do this and they're going to do it but it is going to give them an edge. I mean, John mentioned it too, like being able to just like bust out a Ziggs or a Syndra. Like they both can play all of that stuff. So I will say one one hesitation too is that this is a little bit of a unique situation in that two very meta AD carries were added right before the swap. So like you're giving first a month basically to learn these Aphelios and Santa that I'm sure he hasn't played much of, right? So I do, will say that's a little bit scary just because, like, we see those pretty much 100% pick ban in every region. Um, so, like, I would say that that's a little bit of a hesitation to it. And I also just looked up and pulled up the stats, and, like, you could pretty much make a, a fairly uh, decent argument that Caps was a better AD carry than Perks in terms of the spring splits. Like, uh, Caps had a better KDA, higher kill, higher kill participation, where he struggled was like in the CS. So I don't know what that, what would cause that, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that's a li- there there is some some room for some hesitation with this, some skepticism even. Yeah, the Aphelios, I think is the big the big question mark because it's like actually hard. Senna, I don't think it's particularly hard to like get to a a good solid professional level on. Um, I think she just breaks the game in a way that's like interesting. I don't think it's necessarily like broken broken, but she's like powerful and different. Uh, Aphelios is going to be a challenge, though. You're right. So, if, if, if that's all he needs to focus on, I don't want to say I don't want to say literally all he needs to focus on. Obviously, he needs to play everything, but you know, if that's like the main project, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. So, really, really interesting. Um, any other thoughts? Any other news that I missed out on? Any uh, tur- a turbo EU Masters update, John? Who's winning? Who's winning this thing? Oh, man, that's hard to tell. I honestly think it's probably the winner of the one quarterfinal that we haven't played yet. Um, I think Ma- uh, Kick versus Gamers Origin is two of the best teams that are left in the tournament here, and there's a reasonable chance that whoever wins that matchup is is the tournament winner. Um, Rogue has looked pretty good. I think those would be the teams that I would be looking at right now. It's kind of hard to tell because I've been basically uber wrong about everything so far, so that makes it tougher. Knocked you off your, uh, <laughs> your base there. A little bit. Yeah, it's uh, made it a little tougher for me. All right. Um, you guys ready to go into the all-pro teams? Let's do it. Let's do this. So we're going to do our all-pro teams, uh, and I laid down a couple you know, general stipulations on these. This is not an MVP voting. We're going to do that separate. This is who we actually think the best of the positions are, regardless of team. Uh <laughs> And we're going to do each of the four major leagues, and then we're going to do an all-world team, and then we're going to do MVPs for each of the leagues. So don't want to spend too much time, but we'll, like – because there's a lot of agreement on a lot of these, and we'll we'll spend some more time on the ones that we disagree on. But uh, let's start with North America. All right. Top lane in North America. Let's – all right, hold on, hold on. Let's do – we'll do top lane in North America. Just to start this off, we'll do – I'll count it down. Everybody say there is. Ready? Here we go. Three, two – one solo. Solo. Hey, unanimous. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. On to the next one then. All right. Uh, no, none of us had solo. I'm just. <laughs> I had to. I had to meme it. It was just too. It was too easy. It was too easy. We just came up with this as we were doing it. Like, 
right, John, who's actually who's actually your your MVP, your, your top lane uh, All Pro team for North America? No, I put someday. Um, I thought someday had a really good split, considering the fact that like his team was just definitely not on the level of some of the other teams. Uh, it was it was hard for me to, to not give him a shout out here. Basically, I think he he probably was at least among the best players in the league, and it was hard to tell because of how everything else was going. So, shout out to Solo. Solo or someday? Did you just shout out Solo? Yeah, you had to shout out Solo. All right, I'm gonna clip that and I'm just gonna play it on repeat. Over and over. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a John says shout out to Solo for ten hours mix on YouTube, and that's gonna be the. <laughs> uh, I'll have to get a sound drop for the for the show. <laughs> um, Chris, how was who, Chris? You and Josh both had the same one. Spoiler alert! So yeah. actually, all three of us did. So we'll all just three. so we all put licorice. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, think I, I don't was... know. Go ahead, Chris. It was a. So it was both hard and easy. The easy part is that Licorice, yes, he was on the best team. He performed at a high level. There wasn't really that many competition, but I also think that um, someday was worth uh, worth a consideration. Absolutely, the way if we think about if a team falls behind or if a team needs someone to rise up, they're going to look to someone, right? And that may not be Licorice because the team is full of talent. Uh, so. But I eventually had to settle down on this because I keep thinking like, no, it's not Huni, definitely not Huni, definitely not Solo. Uh, who am so I going down? who is the third one? Like, I mean, because Josh, you have Licorice too. Like, any other comments on Licorice, or like, do you just want to talk about who? Like, who who would the third one? Because I think we're going to be unanimous on that one too. Uh, top lane talent was pretty. I think it's Broken Blade, right? Like, it's just too bad. yeah. I guess BB. Um, yes, yeah, I, I hate TSM and their champion. <laughs> I felt like when BB dominated, it was on like cheese picks. That's true. But I I think it probably is. I think he's probably the, the third most talented in terms of performance this split. I mean, everyone else was pretty bad. Licorice and some they were pretty like a cut above everybody though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, one thing I was gonna say about I think it's funny that that John chose Sunday because he he played Lucian and we all know about John's Lucian. John, how it feels John likes it because he's one of the few people that actually abuses it That's and fair. like uses it well. It's still bad, but fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jungle was unanimous. Blabber. Um, Do we all have the same honorable mention of Santorin? I think Santorin is the honor, like the second guy. I think the third guy is Dardock. People would disagree with me on that. I would say closer personally, but closer was also very good. Yeah, I could... yeah closer was actually my number two. I could see that. Um, so Blabber was unanimous. Like this is so all right, so this is weird that he was unanimous because I think let's talk about like things that we agree. Like one, we all agree he got better. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's one angle of it. Two, just like in the context of how this team wanted to play, it was a perfect fit. And they play around him very well. The only real question mark is kind of like the Tarzan treatment, right? Where it's hard to tell how much of it was blabber being good versus like his lanes just dominating every game. So like how much did he really need to do? Like it can make his lanes could make him look better, but I mean, he kind of just delivered at any and all points. Like I can't really, this is more to me. Like there's not enough that I could fault blabber for to make him not the best. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. I liked blabber quite a bit. I think he really does. Like they were, their early game style is is an extension of blabber to some degree. I think there's not a lot of junglers in the league that I think could have allowed them to play the way that they play or would have wanted to play the way that they played as well. So I, I, I really actually thought he was kind of standout this season. 
a lot of the other guys got the the credit on some of the stuff, but I thought Blabber was a pretty big piece. I also like when a team actually builds with their like the players they have in mind. Like this is what we see in like football or like any sport where like this is what good coaching is. Like you're not pretending to be something you're not. You know who you are and you build around it and you harness that talent and look at what happens when you do that. They weren't trying to make Blabber be an ex Smithy type. They know he's not going to be that. So foster that talent, build around. That was the struggle they had with him last year, right? Was that they they weren't always on the same page, so there'd be games where he would just like look terrible because it wasn't on the same page with the whole team. They were on the same page every single game this season. Yeah, he was the whippo of the jungle last season where he just like looked great or looked terrible all the time and mostly didn't have that much to do with him as a player, I think. Uh, yeah. His improvements was what stood out. He was the regular season MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, was he the actual Riot? He was the Riot MVP, right? I think so. Yeah, he Which was just... way better choice than what they did last year. But that's another point. Um, his improvement, I think there were a couple of games where he was actually making things happen. So I think, deservedly so, that's why we I have him as the best jungler. Um, it's the improvement, the fit with the team. It, and I think it's a synergy there with him. Uh, both him as an individual player, as well as the team enabling him to be that uh, the best that he can be. Uh, mid lane. This was a little bit interesting. So, um, I mean, I'm just I'll just spoil mine all around because like I just I just w- went full cloud nine, and like I didn't want to, but like the the fact is like th- they there was just no holes to poke. Right, there was very few holes to poke, and it's kind of like with Blabber where it's like I think he was good enough to differentiate himself from the field. But he also, like, there wasn't enough, like, question marks for me to, like, that I didn't have for other players. So, I, I to me, like, this is Niski or Power of Evil. I don't think there's anybody else in this conversation. Is there yeah. anybody that we're forgetting? Bjergsen, maybe? Yeah, Bjergsen made an appearance in my mind when I was thinking about this list because I do think, like, he didn't even really have that much to play with this season. Like, I, I thought the team played uh, not very good and Bjergsen had one of his better splits in recent memory. Uh, but I, I ended up going with Power of Evil. Uh, I think there's a, like, that it's hard to tell very often, like we've talked about before, when a guy is on a team that's not very, like, not as good, it's hard to tell if they would have looked, like, way better than everybody else if they were on a team that was really good. So I think it's hard to tell between Niski and Power of Evil. I went with Power of Evil, but if you said Niski, I'm not going to be mad at you at all. Josh, you put both. Who is it? Yeah. I'll spoil it. I think I choose. I think whoever is first team is not the MVP. That makes sense. Like I think I think I would put Power Evil on my first team and then make Niski the MVP of the league. If that makes. sense. I like that consistent. I did the opposite, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I would approach it. I mean, I do think uh, they were very they. They were very similar in terms of impact. They were just very different about the way they got there, right? Like, so, like, Power of Evil was just going to farm up, and then late game he just had insane damage numbers. Um, and and Niski was kind of just like a shove and roam, all sacrifice to give Blabber advantages, to give Licorice advantages, to give Sven and Vulcan advantages, um, which, uh, like, that sort of team style is very much – like, we just saw Dwayne win a world championship with it, right? So – um, and what's interesting about that is like, I've heard, heard them talking about like Nisky didn't used to play like that. Right. So like seeing him adopt that whole new play style after he saw a world championship one, 
I mean, he literally has just said, like, he just spent hours and upon hours just watching Dwayne be filmed. Um, and I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't Cloud9 literally just look like they watched, like, nothing but FPX for, like, the entire offseason, like, the whole team, right? Because, like, Blabber's looking a lot like Tian all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, I, I think you make an argument for both. It's like the Easy Hoon argument. Like, like Power of Evil played, like, an Easy Hoon type style where he was just like i'm just going to play lane perfect and farm perfectly and like play the control mage thing and he was so good at that so uh i think bjergsen's the only honorable mention i don't think i like jazuke but i don't think he he's on this echelon i would actually posit that jensen was better in terms of how bad the team was than bjergsen yeah i I think both i think i have jensen bjergsen like in that same tier so uh 80 carry we were zen across the board I never would have thought, not in a million years, yep. that we'd be unanimously calling Sven the best AD carry in the league after one season after that season with TSM, where I thought he was clearly the problem. But, yep, unanimous. Uh, the Who is the only argument? Cause to, to me, there's only, like, one. I actually think Bang is the only argument, just because, like, even when that team was struggling, he was putting up just, like, insane efficiency numbers, and he was, like, no matter what the team was doing around him, he was good every game. So I will say, yeah, I will say I think Bang is it, but I think Bang also was just kind of a beneficiary of the meta because like from all accounts of what we heard is like he was just better than everyone at Ophelios and seven. Yeah, but and, that was a big deal this season. Yeah, that's what I mean. But like yeah. if those two chants weren't in his hand neither of those two chants were in his hands, he wasn't as dominant in my opinion. That's reasonable. Uh, so I don't know if that's you know, I don't really think you can penalize him for that by any means, but uh, I think that's that's worth noting. Any love for Turtle? <laughs> uh, in my mind, probably Kabe, but he's been so quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Ben yeah. was so much better than everyone. Just oh my gosh! I mean, it's so it's so quiet. easy to look like the best player when you're the AD carry on the team that just went like they lost two games. So. <laughs> For a high pace aggressive team like C9 to not die that much, that's pretty impressive. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna mention somebody on later on my in one of the other regions that uh, that's like what impressed me the most about him. So we'll we'll get to that. But uh, support was a little bit. So we had so John and I had Vulcan. Uh, Josh had Vulcan slash Ignar. Which is it? You got to pick one. I'm forcing you to pick one. So. In terms of skill, it's Vulcan because he made Tom Kench look good. He's the only person I've really seen do that. But in terms of, like, more important to the team, I definitely Ignar, in my opinion. All right, so it's Vulcan then because that's what we're doing. That's how we're doing this list. I had Ignar really close, too. I also went with Vulcan, but I had Ignar really close, too. I thought Ignar had a great season. Yeah, Ignar was outstanding this season. Uh, I'm – I always like when he looks good because he's fun to watch when it looks good because he'll play – he'll just play whatever. Like it doesn't his champion matter. pool. It's just his champion pool is so fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Chris had Ignar. Chris I did. respects the game. I, I – like when I can see a great pro support, I'm all for it. And Ignar looked fantastic even when the team is like not every player on that team is doing well in the game. Ignar make things happen. Yeah. Makes things happen. And just enabled um, FlyQuest to be good. Uh, league MVP for North America, John? Um, I went with Power of Evil. Honestly, I think if you're if you're not giving it to Power of Evil, maybe you give it to Blabber, which is where the, the Riot broadcast went. But I went with Power of Evil. I thought we saw basically that same FlyQuest team last year. 
and they were pretty bad. And then we saw them with him this year as the main guy, and they were very good comparatively. So, yeah, I went with uh, with Power of Evil. Yeah, I also went with Power of Evil. Um, for MVP, I treated it like an actual most valuable player to their team. So, uh, to me, like, I, I don't know what this team is without Power of Evil. Like, I really don't. So, uh, I actually think Sunday and Bjergsen were both in this conversation. I don't think they're quite on the same level. But, uh, like, just in terms of importance to their teams, I think there's an argument to be made for both of them as well. I, I don't know what 100 Thieves is without him there. Like, actually, I have no idea what they are without Sunday there. So, um, yeah. Josh, you had Niski. Yeah, I went Niski. Um, like I said, I, I think he's going to be light right now. And maybe he's better. We, we haven't seen them play each other with, with this iteration. So, uh, maybe. Like, you don't really know. But I think when you play that style as a team – if you don't have a mid laner who's willing to be able to constantly sacrifice his ability to get strong by farming minions um, and always looking across the map and being so cognizant of timers and whatnot that you're always looking and knowing when you can move, how you can move, how you can help and communicating, like they can't play the style they're playing without Misty, right? And when you're a 17 and one team, like you wouldn't really think any one player is that vital like when you're that much more dominant than every other team in the league. But I truly think without him, they would have to remake their entire identity. Like the, there's, I guess, I guess I think about it this way, right? Like, so POE's the way he plays mid lane is a little bit more traditional. Yeah. And so uh, you would think there's other, like Froggen's been known in the past, but like this, he showed it at the beginning of the split. He can play like that he can farm up and just be a monster in the late game. I don't think there's anyone else. There's there's not very many people in the world that can play the way Niski does. If you took if you took Dwayne B out of FPX, they're not the same team. Like not like like it's not even just like a little different. It's not remotely close to the same team. Like who's the like Teacher Ma is like the closest comp, and like look at the drop off there, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I you know what that, that's a that's a good reason. Like I think that's good justification for Niski. I could see that. I'm I'm with you on that one. I'm sticking to Power of Evil just because I think. Again, like just importance to team, but like I, I actually yeah. think that's a good argument for like how important Niski is to this team. Also, yeah, like I, I reinvent think- yourself like that is is impressive. Yeah, yeah, I think Poe makes a ton of like I, I do agree with John's. Like we saw basically the entire same team, and then they just brought in Poe. Everyone was like, "Eh, well, this isn't much of a change from Poe Welker." And then, never mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. I definitely had that thought, by the way, coming into the season. I was like, God, it's, I mean, why do you even do this? It's just about the same thing, right? Yeah, POE, so. like, going into the season, I was just like, yeah, he's like, he's still very, very good. He can still play, but I didn't think he was going to just be, like, dominant like this. He, he had maybe the best split of his career, which is insane to think about, right? Like, good for him. Uh, Chris, you had... Go ahead. Yeah, this one was, like... I wish I'd have thought of the MVP like the way you guys described it. I think that is the true meaning of MVP, how important it is. But I just went with the stats and uh, who looked good on paper. Sven. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, Not exciting. LEC. Um, top lane. Actually, uh, there was more. This is interesting. We had more disagreement than I think we like than I would have thought we would have had. So. Uh, John and I had had wonder. I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say. Like he, the guy's just a rock. He's so good, like all the time. Doesn't matter what he's playing, 
will play every every type of champion. Even played the he was like one of the the like the OG Soraka tops and was like dominant with that pick. I mean to be fair, that's like not that hard to do in the right matchup, but um <laughs> guy just does everything. It's another one of these things where he just like fits the identity of that team. Like he just gets it. Like I, if it, he's I think him and Yankos kind of like hold this team down. Otherwise, things would get a little off the rails sometimes. So, uh, but so John, go ahead. You got anything else to add on to Wonder? Like he's just yeah, so just good. I think to some degree he gets a little bit undervalued and a, kind of especially in our community because he's not as a, a fantasy player the way that the other guys are fantasy players. So he gets underrated a little bit. But you have to be a special kind of player to play with these guys that he's playing with and be as malleable as he is and still be really good. I mean, nobody else in the world is playing, like, weird garbage like he's playing. And they're still winning, and he's still playing well in lane for the most part. He's still where he needs to be every time, no matter what champion he's playing. That's really, really hard to do, even though he's not uh, – doesn't look as flashy, and he's not the fantasy asset that Perks and Caps and Yankos are. Yeah. I think Wonder is one of the best players in the world at any position. Like, I think he's the top probably three top laner, maybe top five. Actually, he's probably – I'd have to do that list. Yeah, he's but right up there. He's he's like in that top five almost for sure. Like he's, I think way better than people give him credit for. So, um, Josh, you had an interesting one. Yeah, I went with Alfari because I think so. <laughs> I guess it, it, there's a little bit off just because like he started to fall in love with Renekton at the end of the split, and I he, I think he suffered from that honestly because Renekton's not that good. Um, but or in my opinion, I should say, but. Early on in the split and even into probably, like, three-fourths of the way through, like, he was dominating. Even when they were losing, he was just destroying. Like, he was their win condition um, and constantly winning lane. Um, so like, I, I just went with Afar. I think, he, I think he had the best in terms of just, like, actual top lane performance, uh, being able to both carry and play supportive roles. I thought he did both the best. Um, in my opinion, but I will say to the point on Wonder, like I completely agree. What I will say about Wonder is that I think he does a wider variety of things at a higher level than most people do. But they're like, I would trust, I would trust like Whipple or Alfari more on like a carry top. Yeah, I but can see that. I don't like the Jana or Zorak that type deals. Speaking of uh, a certain fanatic top laner, Chris. Weepo, when you talk about excitement, things that he is asked to do for this team, he needs to be everywhere for, for a lot of the games because of adapting to self-made, trying to help out with bot lane. I think he's just the LEC version of the shy that is what he needed to be in order to help this team play at a high level, and he's been able to meet up with that challenge. I was afraid that he was going to fall off after his rookie year where it was, oh, it's so high variance. It's going to be so wild, but he just keeps improving. And this year, this split especially shows me a really high uh, level version of a top laner in the LEC, and he's up there with Wonder, and I think he can surpass Wonder if both play at at their peak. Yeah, I think I think Whippo is interesting because he's he's reminds me of like in his prime Hooney, right? Like this guy's a dynamo. Like he's just like he's he is the center of attention in every single game he's in, right? It's kind of like the shy, really. For better or for worse, he's the center of attention, and it's mostly been for better in in most of the cases for Fnatic. So I I, I could see that argument, and you're right. He's such a, a key part to this team. 
that I feel like hard done by players in the history of league, in my opinion, as far as like their performances versus public perception of them. This guy's the scapegoat every year when Fnatic loses. Whenever they lose, it's always about Whippo sucks on Twitter and Reddit, and and it's because he does start to look bad when the team is losing because it's just how he plays. And uh, I, I feel yeah, I just feel bad for him because he he plays very very well and is always scapegoated. The the one thing too that I really appreciate about Whippo is he's not scared to try new stuff. Right? We saw him pull out a singed and destroy on it. By the way destroyed on it by the way and then a predator set top lane with swiftness boots and destroyed on it by the way like like that the talking about like malleability and all those things like he is not scared to try new things and that's not something you see often in the pro scene like like wonders doing it uh as well with the champion pool you, you definitely touch on that and i agree but i just thought like man i was really impressed with his ability to to take on these new matches like who the hell plays singe in a pro game I feel like Bwipo is, like, the high ceiling. Like, he's one of the highest ceiling players in the West, period. Like, anybody. Uh, Honestly, like, who's higher than him? Perks and Caps, maybe? Yeah, he's very, very high ceiling. Like, when he is on, he feels unstoppable when he's on. He he feels like he could do whatever he wants to do. And he's he's a likable character, too, which is always fun. So... Um, jungle was unanimous. Yankos, uh, I think like who's the who's the the honorable mention here? Xerxes, if you don't ban Cardus and Gragas. <laughs> uh, I thought self made was. I thought yeah. self made was incredible this season. Uh, just overall, he was really really good this season. Uh, I think he. I think those two, and then um, oh the rookie, goddamn, I forget his name. Uh, from Mad Lions? No, Misfits. Um, oh, Shadow, yeah, Shadow was really good. Yeah, Shadow Rise, was really Rise, good. Razork. Razork was really good. But uh, Razork, Shadow, both really good. I don't think you can put them above self No, they're, I don't think they're on the level of those two. So, yeah, we were Yankos for anonymous, uh, unanimously. Not anonymously. <laughs> uh, mid lane perks, unanimous. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude's the best Western player probably ever. I don't, <laughs> still he playing was- at an obscenely high level. <laughs> Yeah, he looks great for mid lane. I, I know it's his natural position, and so coming back from a whole year of not playing mid, that's just didn't stop him. Yeah, and still just dominating everybody, <laughs> like in a competitive mid region too. Who can go from the person that we would have said was the best AD carry in the region last summer to the person that is the best mid in the region in in the spring? I mean, that's just it's wild. Yeah, he's incredibly good. I so, will say, I think this is closer than I don't know if you guys agree, but I think Larson is like actually. A, Really close second place. I think this is it's kind of similar to the Poe version. Um, I think like in terms of the thing is like t- Perks can do everything, which is why yes. he's so good. Like if you just ask Perks to park on a control mage, he's going to do that better than anyone. But he can also have this other angle. So like, I think Larson's really good. I think I think Nuke Duck is is nuts. I know he didn't have like the numbers to back it up, but Nuke Duck is I, I think does not get enough credit. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, the mid laners are so good in this region. <laughs> like, well, I, I could see Larson. They're doing great stuff in NA too. <laughs> I could see Larson maybe, but like, I, I just don't think Humanoid's really good too. But I, I just don't think anyone's on the same level as Perks. I, I, to me, I would put I would put like Nuke Duck and Larson second, like kind of the same tier. I think they're both very very good. But 
It just it sucks because there's just no hole in his game. Like he just does not have a weakness. He does everything at the best level. So, uh, eighty cars. We had a little bit of a debate here. Um, John, John, just uh, so you just did what I did in NA. You just had G two like all the way through for for Europe, right? Yeah, and I was the the lone dissenter in best eighty carry where I put caps. And the thing for me is I didn't want to put caps here. Like when I went to this list, I was like, that's the one G two person you leave off. But when I thought about this season, like I did not think Reckless had a particularly exciting season. I thought he played fine, but not exciting. I thought upset. I was expecting him to be the MVP this season. Even I didn't expect OG to win this, the league, but I thought upset would be the MVP coming to this team. And he kind of underperformed for me. Carzy was super inconsistent. I just couldn't think of another AD carry that I thought had a great season. And like Caps, I think Caps had at least as good of a season as as Reckless and Upset. So. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to say exactly. If there was anybody else, it'd probably be reckless as my second, maybe upset. But I just thought Caps was as good or better than anybody. See, to me, this was like I I wanted to give it to Caps because like the amount that he improved over the season was like pretty substantial. And then I, I just maybe it's just because I like I love the playoff run where it was just like the big you know middle finger to the rest of the league that was talking shit on him basically. Um, he got a lot of help, but uh, I don't know. Like, I thought Reckless was super consistent this season. I think you could make an argument for either. I don't. Th- is there an argument for anybody else? Like, I don't think there is really. Like Bevoy, maybe. Forgiven. Anyone? <laughs> I almost put him there. We're not going to talk we about that. <laughs> yeah, forgiven. Great season from Forgiven. Can't forget to shut that. <laughs> My, sh- my Shalka futures are looking mighty. Never mind. Okay. It's uh, just a whopper of a season for yeah. him. Um, unanimous on Mickey X at support. Yeah. Uh, he's oh, he's yeah. so fun to watch. Like, Since the Mickey X thing is like super unanimous, just small side thing before we go there. Good. Like, how, have you, has anybody ever ruined their name as fast as Forgiven ruined his name? <laughs> Like, he was like a boogeyman in the closet name before this season where people were like, dude, if they just brought in Forgiven, like, they could crush him. And now he's a joke. Yeah, he's just a straight joke. I don't know if anybody has ruined their, like, brand as badly this quickly in league as Forgiven did, except for maybe way on. I don't know. Dude, else. it feels so bad. Badly. I've, never craved a re- I've never craved a redemption story harder in my life, by the way. Oh, I yeah. wanted him to be good so bad. Well, I'm, I'm craving the re-redemption story. NA, I want I want NA forgiven now. <laughs> Let's bring forgiven to NA. How badass would it be if he just like went to Korea? That would be cool. I don't oh, think they could tolerate gosh, any shit there. No. Um, league MVP for Europe. Chris, we'll start with you. Yeah, I have Perks again. We've sung his praises, and I think um, just from beginning to end of the split, he's been playing at a high level without fail, uh, even in the games that they lost, quote-unquote lost because he trolled. He was still, like, one of the best players that stood up. Um, I also had perks. Reasons above. I don't need to talk about this more. Um, I, I actually think, I'm with you guys, like, to me, there's there there were, like, three candidates for this. Uh, maybe, maybe four if you want to count Buepo. Uh, but I think it's just the trio, right? I think it's I think it's Mickey Perks and um, and Yankos, and then I think Buipo is the only other argument, really. Yeah, I went Mickey. Like we've talked about this a little bit, but I think Mickey's the thing with Mickey is that 
in comparison to his peers, he's just so much better than his peers. Whereas, like, there are some people that are, like, at least trying to nip on the heels of Yankos and, and trying to nip on the heels of Perks. I think Mickey's just decisively the best yeah. at his position in the West by not even close. Who's the second best support in the West? I don't know. Probably would have said Core JJ. It's hard to even put anybody in the Hilly, right? What was that? Hilly? Hilly sang probably. Yeah, but, like, I think I think it's a different galaxy, honestly. Like, yeah. Mickey's, like, probably the he he's probably the best support in the world like he's in that conversation I and mean, we'll get to that a little bit later we'll see we'll see yeah we have that conversation we'll on, on that. let's uh let's what? let's have that let's let's get to keep going through this and we'll get we'll get to that one yeah. um, one, one thing i would say in terms of mvp like the in the poe sense i think you could probably make an argument for like Feminine. just because of like yeah the, the role he played as like the only veteran and we all had that. I, I, I don't know if you guys did, but I, I'm pretty sure I had them 10th. Uh, so, like, they were vastly overperformed, and, and by all accounts, it was in large part due to his leadership. So, that's a yeah, good I, point. You're making me second guess this. But, like, I also think, like, Resort had a lot to do with that, too. So, it's, like, really hard to tell. But you're, you're probably right, because, like, when those two didn't pop off, they just lost every single game. So. That could, yeah, it could be like a Poe treatment. You're right. I, I maybe, I maybe forgot about Forbidden. He's probably my runner-up. You're now. I'm thinking about it. I feel like a jerk now. Oh well, it's gone forever. I already put it on paper. It's in ink. It's in digital ink. Uh, LPL. Whew. Uh, we were unanimous on the top lane, which is wild for a guy that only played twenty games. He won eighteen of them. That's ridiculous. To just show up in the middle of a split like that, that is absolutely ridiculous. It's Zoom, um, for those that haven't figured that part out. A great story, too, because Zoom hasn't gotten a chance to be on a really good team before, and we've called him out as a guy that was playing really well in the past that was on teams that just weren't capable of getting there. I mean, they did get to the finals last year, but Zoom in general has been on really good team, has been on really bad teams or mediocre teams and hasn't gotten a chance to really show off. And this was his kind of coming out party, I think. Fantastic split from Zoom. Yeah, I think one thing we didn't really talk about with the LPL thing that I just want to like highlight one more time here is like, look, I said it. How huge of an upgrade was Loken? Because it's the same team. <laughs> like, it's the same. It's not really because they like, it's the same as it was in summer. But. Man, what a huge! Th- we were unanimous yeah. in top end jungle. We might as well just like touch on it. Like, Kanavi was unanimous jungle, right? Um, how how dumb does Griffin feel? <laughs> oh man! I mean, you never know. You, you don't know, but like, guys basically forcing him, basically forcing him to leave your team, and he's the LPL MVP. Yeah, how, you want to talk a redemption story? Jeez, getting screwed out of that contract money, and then just like being like, "Yeah, you guys screwed up." <laughs> like that's. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the uh, isn't this what and I'm pretty sure this is the old double lift type thing, right? Like, isn't this the the meme for every team double lift leaves the, reven- the revenge angle? Yeah, he just goes to like just burn them to the ground. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's cross league, <clears throat> which is a little different, but yeah. True. Uh, I mean, who was the other jungler in this conversation? Beishang, maybe. I don't know because Beishang had some bad games. Kanavi didn't really have any bad games. Yeah, it's tough to say because the top teams in the LPL didn't really have great junglers. Like, Tian, I didn't think, played great this season. Lay-In was awful. Like, 
it's not it's not and Carson did not have a particularly good season either. No. It was like the top teams in the league didn't have the best junglers, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Like it was looking like like Xiaolong Bao was really really good for a while, but he kind of like I, I'm, yeah, Peanut was really good just because, like, he was, like, MVP-style good, where it was, like, I don't know what the hell that team is without him on it. Uh, which was kind of a good redemption story, because a lot of people thought he was just cooked. So, that's, that's I good. He proved me wrong. Yeah. Um, so, Zoom and Kanavi unanimously top lane and uh, jungle. Mid, we have some debate, because I think there's there's three names that are just, like, so damn good at this game that it's like you could honestly make an argument for any one of them. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and plant my flag and say it was rookie. I'm changing. I, I have to because I, I wrote down all three, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick one and say it was rookie because. And I just think like this team, for for a team that had as good a record as they had, they were kind of a weird dumpster fire, right? Like relative to like what they should have been. And Rookie was, like, the only rock the whole time and, like, solo carried so many games. Like, can do – he's another one that can do everything. Have you seen, like, the only engage being a zero on your team? Because he's done that, too. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think Rookie's still incredibly good, but I, I really do think you can make any, an argument for any one of these three. So, I was just going to say I wanted to really deeply apologize to the fans of the Gold Card Podcast because every week they come here and they spend – two or three hours sometimes listening to us talk about our picks. And then they get to the end of, of 2020 spring and they realize that they have the kind of hosts that would put anybody except for Knight as the mid MVP of the LPL. <laughs> oh, come on, dude. It, took them, it took them this long to realize how scammed they were getting. The advice of anybody that would put a Knight not number one mid laner in the league because the man is the CEO of League of Legends. He's the best player in the world right now. But somehow he's not the MVP of the LPL to host of a popular fantasy podcast. So I just want to apologize to all the fans out there for being scammed into listening to this podcast. Uh, I apologize to you guys. I don't even know how to follow that. <laughs> you know what? All right. I'm, you know, no, I'm going to stay my ground here. I'm going to stay my ground here. No, I. It was all three. It was all three. Because I think you have to talk about Doimbi, too. I, none of us put Doimbi here, but, like, Doimbi had an absolutely bonkers season, too, until, like, the last series, right? I I would argue, honestly, yeah. I mean, mid, obviously, I think mid lane's just stacked here, right? Yeah. So, I, like, I don't know, man. It's just so stacked. You have Knight, Rookie, Doimbi, obviously, just everyone knows. But then, like, more under the rate. Like, I think Crying was phenomenal. Yep. I mean, uh, looking at the stats too, like he had he had twenty two more kills than Knight and one less death and forty two forty four more assists. Like his KDA was higher, kill participation was higher. Sorry different about style, different style of team. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, different style of team. But yeah, like so, I'm just saying, like this is pretty loaded. But I I think at the end of the day, you have to go with Knight because the way that Carso played this split was, I think, a massive disappointment, like flat out, um, and. If Knight hadn't been sort of that rock to carry, I, you can make the same argument for rookie. God argument. damn it! You're, yeah, like that, that's where I'm at. Like in a weird way, didn't like all three of their junglers kind of disappoint this season to different levels? I didn't even realize it until we were just talking about it. But yeah, the junglers at the top level were not really that good this season, which is a little wild considering I think jungle has like a lot of agency right now. But yeah, it's it's weird because like. 
all three, like, and, and it's crazy that all three of them have that in common, right? So, like, I, that's why I legitimately think you could make an argument for any one of them. Because they, it wasn't like their junglers were bad. I mean, maybe, maybe Rookie's jungler was very bad. Like, Leon was awful in a lot of games. Like, Carso was, like, pretty bad relative to what we expected, but, like, he's still pretty good. He played Lee Sin too much as well. That just automatically makes you look awful no matter who you are, so. That's big true, but. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until we started talking through this. So, like, they all, th- all three of them have that in common, too. And I can't state enough how difficult it is. Because that's the most important synergy on the map. That's, like, arguably more important than bot lane, like, support and AD carry synergy. Like, that's arguably more important is, like, mid and jungle. Oh, definitely. Like, I, thought, I thought I'd throw in a fun little side story here while we're talking about that, actually. Go for it. I had a friend of mine who... Uh, who's just getting into league and he really wants to learn about the game. He's, he's putting money on it and he wants to learn about it. And he's, he's like, who do you like in this matchup? It was an EU masters the other day. He's like, who do you like in this matchup? We were watching the draft. He's like, who, who, who does draft do you think is better? I was like, well, this team's drafts better because other team has Lee Sin on it. And he was like, well, why, like, what's up with Lee Sin? And I wrote him like five paragraphs about Lee Sin, just like how terrible he is in every way. And he just goes, well, why do they take Lee Sin then? <laughs> and I just have like no. I yo, have, yo like, do you want a coaching job? <laughs> like, pretty sure you're a coach now because that's all it takes is that question right there. I wish I had a better like shrugging emoji to send him when he sent that. Like, this guy's been watching League for like two weeks. He already knows we shouldn't be playing League Sin. He, he figured it out. Yeah, I've seen someone like one of the. He was like one of the bigger touts like before the boom, just in general. Uh, and he's just been tweeting about like how bad Lee Sin is now, and I just like have been cracking up. See, like this dude who's never watched League before. I think John he had like one conversation with you about like who do you like to see or something. Maybe that's who you're talking about. Actually, I have no idea. But he he just tweets about Lee Sin now all the time. He's like, oh, Lee Sin lost. Imagine that, and I just die every time. <laughs> so Josh, you had Knight here. Uh, Chris, you had Rookie. So it was like. I mean, two split twos. I think we all think like Dwayne B's got to be in this conversation, even though he kind of had like a, a weird. It wasn't even the last series; it was the second to last series to me, and like the last se- like regular season game, he was kind of like off. But I, I think Dwayne B has to be in this conversation too. It's because he was ridiculous this season. Also, uh, crying. Uh, I thought I actually thought, believe it or not, the Zhao had an underrated season. I kind of thought he was going to start falling off, and he had a great season. Yeah, I thought Joe um, was good. There were a couple of midlanders on like the bottom teams that I thought like I thought Maple was pretty good this season. Like he looked a lot better in the new setting. I oh, thought Fofo was phenomenal. Yeah. Fofo was it took Fofo a little bit to like kind of get acclimated, but once he did, he was pretty good. I want to give a reverse shout out to Icon. When is it gonna be time, Icon? When is it gonna be time when you when you crush the league? I've been calling for it for like three years. Every year, I'm like, look at this team they put around Icon this time. He's just going to crush everybody, and he never does it. It's a I, reverse shout-out. I mean, Icon was good this season, too. Like, that's just another one, right? He was, like, like, he was, like, good, though. Like, every once in a while, he shows this flash where you're like, this guy's one of the best midlanders in the league. But he just never does it long-term. I'm mad at you, Icon. That's fair. Uh, so, this is the biggest dissension we have on the entire board uh, in any region, any position. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of interesting arguments for these things. So, LPL 80 carries. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I went with Hope. I just think he – I think he had, like, the highest KDA of everyone. But uh, to me, like, 
in terms like when I think about it's kind of hard to explain, but just like to be a good AD carry, like we've talked about it before, it's like really just more so about positioning and damage output than anything. Um, and like you don't necessarily need to be popping off, you just kind of need to be consistent damage source. And I thought he did that. Like you didn't see him uh getting over aggressive and getting caught out often. You saw him just kind of playing his role within the team, and then when it was his time to do what he needed to do, he would just do it. And it was very, very consistently game over game. Um, and so that's why I kind of gave him the edge there. How about uh, honorable mentions for you, Josh? Just uh, I would say probably – I mean, I think Jack would love someone to consider. Like, I think that team did look completely different once he got on there. I would say uh, – was it was Logan for JDG? Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned it, but like that team just looked completely different even from the start of the split before they even got Zoom, um, and he was popping off. So I, th- I thought he was really a, a very very valuable addition too. And I think uh, I think especially contrasted to how Top looked without him too uh, at the very beginning of the split. Uh, kind of a little bit tail off at the end just because Zoom kind of stole the show. But yeah, I'd say he's probably my who's next john had a really interesting one honestly all yeah. these are interesting so go ahead john yeah mine's a little weird i do think like like you said gelati that this is the toughest position maybe in any region to pick because there wasn't really like a mega standout necessarily there's a lot of guys who are really good uh there wasn't like a knight who was clearly better than everybody else <laughs> oh my god here we go so, um, it was, since it was tougher uh, i like podcast memes we can keep this going <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I went with Zhumeng on Team WE. Uh, I'm not sure that there was another AD carry in the entire league that I saw, like, in games carrying the way that I saw Zhumeng carrying in some of these games. Admittedly, if he didn't get Aphelios every single game, I'm not sure that I would be saying this about him because it was really his Aphelios that was the big standout of his performances. But I was memeing about it all the time on Twitter, dude. Zhumeng's Aphelios just, like, one-shots everyone at level one. When you watch this guy play... Like, every team fight that Jumang is in, he's just blowing everyone up. And that's it's a lot of planning and expertise to do that. Like, I was making a, a joke earlier today when we were watching EU Masters. There was a team fight, and there was an Aphelios on one of the teams. It was a fight around Rift Herald, and the Aphelios ulted in, and it was just no damage to anybody. Like, he was, like, 2-0, and he just ulted in and just dealt no damage to anybody. It was totally ineffective. As, like, every time I saw Jumang get into a fight with Aphelios, it was, he was just mowing everybody down instantly. And so I just thought he played absolutely exceptionally. And Teacher Ma, I think, was overrated by a lot of people. I didn't think he had that great of a season, to be honest with you. And so I thought Juming did a lot of the carrying on that team and, and deserved my shout out here. Yeah, I'll, I will. I will say that uh, this had kind of a vibe of like cover and hybrid from the LCK, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, but. It felt like because Teacher Ma was basically just making shit happen around the map, and he was like, he was sacrificing. He was doing the Doinby thing so that LWX could carry, except they were doing it with Juming, right? Like, he was outstanding. I I agree with you. Like, th- there was like a whole. That take is like the best way to put the LPL 80 carries this season is that there wasn't like an ultra standout, but there were so many of them that were like way above average, like just exceptional, but none of them really stood out from one another, which is why it was so hard to pick, right? Like, I mean, we, none of, like, I'll just say, like, none, none of us put Juan Fong on these, on this list at all. He was great this season. Um, 
Did Han Fong ever play a champion that wasn't Misfortune? Yeah. He played like one he time played... at the end of the season or something. Like, this guy had Misfortune in 99% of his games. It was the weirdest thing to me. Don't fix it if it ain't broke, dude. Oh, I was just going to say, I was just wondering, like, when is a team just going to ban this just to see what happens? Right. Just, yeah, just because, like, we don't even know. Maybe maybe Suning's fucking terrible when Han Fong's not on Misfortune. We don't know. Nobody knows. I just yeah. thought it was the weirdest thing that nobody was banning it when he played it, like, Every single game, like clockwork, they just insta-locked it every game. I have, I have the numbers for you guys. So, Huan Fong played 20 Misfortune games. Uh, he played 19 of every other character. So, yeah, it's not only 50% of the games. And I think later in the season, I think it was, like, literally 80% towards the end of the season. Yeah. They just, like, started locking it in. I think I think Huan, Fe, Huan Fong was, if we were doing this as most valuable player at each position, I think he would have been my choice. I don't think he was the best player at the position. I think there's that, that delineation. Yeah, I thought, I thought like Jin Zhao was really, really good this season. Um, there was just a whole host of 80 characters. I, so I, I put Wink. Um, was the KDA bl- leader, I believe. I forget if it's going to count Jackie Love or not. I, I believe he was the KDA leader. Uh, like, I, I don't think it's – I don't think people understand how easy it is to just, like, get, like, screwed up when the team plays the way that they do. But I also kind of think that like the argument against Wink is that they like for the first three quarters of the season, they just like all in dove bot every single game and just got him ahead. But he also delivered on what he was given. Right. So when there's that much action down there, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. Even when you're the ones starting it, we've seen that before too. Uh, I think Wink delivered. He was really, really good. Uh, I mean, that, Maybe this is a little bit guilty, just like me wanting to give somebody on that team credit for something because like they were so good. But I thought Wink was great. I think Hope's a good one. I think Loken's a great argument. I thought Jackie loves a great argument. Like there's so, like Chris, you had you had Loken, so like feel free to dive into that. You're muted. My real guy that I do want to pick was Jackie Love, but limited games. Anyways, Loken hasn't disappointed me the whole season, the way he plays, and it could be a function of the team. It's such a good team, but certainly if you think JDG, it's Yagal, it's Loken, Kanabi being there, but um, for him, it's just someone who consistently plays at a high level, doesn't disappoint, and um, can be a, a staple for the team, can be the rock for the team when they uh, need need an ADC to carry a game, and he's that. I just think this this position is like so fascinating because you can just go on and on and on forever about it, which is interesting. Support. Um, we had. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just. I'm gonna switch over to my boy. So we had two votes for Lumao and two votes for Shaosi. Uh I think they're both defensible. I thought. Um, I thought Ming had a really really good season too. Um. I thought Mako had a great season as well. I think he's he's in this conversation. But uh, to me, these two stood out more than anybody, not just because of the stuff they played and it was exciting to watch, but because, like, I mean, they were such a key part of everything, right? Um, John and I both had Lumao. Uh, I, and maybe this is a little recency bias, maybe, because he just, like, hard-carried the final. <laughs> in, in, I mean, he wasn't the only reason they won, but uh, Lumao's been so good for so long. Like honestly, that's kind of the story with like like Chelsea's the new the new guy, but like a lot of the LPL supports have been so good for so long that 
I think there's a reasonable argument to be made for any of them. Is there anybody like I'm leaving out that you guys think uh, probably deserves some more credit? I actually think the uh, other half of John said, I think missing was like incredibly good to split. Um, so yeah, I, I think John was right in calling out Juming. I think that bot lane was very, very good. I think missing played phenomenally given what that team was kind of like working with. I like that. I like the missing honorable mention as well. So like, Oh, John, do you have any more defenses of Lumel? Like, I don't even know. Just Chelsea would have been my second pick, actually. So I think we're we're like pretty close to unanimous. We just kind of have a, the orders mixed around. It's a dual uh, unanimous. He was the other guy I thought about, but Lumel is very much a playmaker in a way that like not a lot of other supports are. He reminds me a lot of Mickey X and how he plays. Um, and I just think he he just had an absolutely fantastic season, and I had a hard time putting anybody else above him. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean. Let's do League MVP, and then we'll, we're going to talk about another support that was a playmaker in just a second. Uh, League MVP. I mean, John's on night. He's the best player in the world. He's the CEO oh, of League of yeah. Legends. Um, it's, okay for me, it's okay for me to be wrong, I guess. But Yeah, they, they can be wrong. Uh, I said rookie uh, just because, again, like context, I think. like I, I, I actually don't know what the hell happens to Invictus if he's not there. And I never, ever thought I'd say that about that a team that's got that much talent on it, but like with how – basically exposed the shy got this season and how poorly Leon played relative to like even our limited expectations of him. Uh, I, I thought Puff and Southland were fine, but they weren't like the first half of the season. They were pretty good, but like, I, I, I don't know what the hell happens to the team. If rookie's not there. So I, I gave it to rookie. I think Knights are a good argument. I think Kanavi is a really good argument as well. I, I think like any, I think it has to be like those three. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's really anybody else in that. Maybe you can maybe say like one of the supports, Lumao or Shousey, because they were so so pivotal or so pivotal to their, how their teams played. But I, I think it's just got to be one of those three to me. Or Doinby, you could say Doinby too. He is the only one I would consider. Yeah, I think Kanavi is uh, Chris chose as well. For me, it was what we talked about, like value above replacement. Yeah, I mean, we talk about how all these top teams lacked a great jungler for the whole season, and so what else can we say? I mean, this is Josh, your favorite phrase. After each game, we have jungle difference. Dude, that's how they that, won. That's <laughs> a great argument. You guys I are talking me into Kanavi now. Yeah, because the top four were, were all very close, and the real differentiator, you're right, the real differentiator is only one of them had a great jungler. So God, that's a very reasonable argument. God damn it, am I just on Team Kanavi? I mean, it's still night, but... Rookie is the MVP for his team, no doubt about it. This just IG was like the shy wasn't playing to up to his part, but Rookie maintained his high level, so I can see your point to that. But you know what, I'm cha- I'm changing to Kanavi. I'm I'm with that. Like just uh, I didn't really think about it from an angle of like above replacement level, and that's like a really good argument to make. I think because he was, it's like the Mickey X argument. Like he's so much better than everybody else at the position right now that. Yeah, I'm on Team Kanavi. You guys converted me. Damn it. I'm flip-flopping like crazy on this episode, guys. LCK? LCK, we have... I'm probably just going to stay for the LCK. Um, okay, so LCK... Let's start... We'll, uh, we'll start at the bottom, because like, we had we had two positions that were unanimous here. Carrier uh, at support. Um, same argument, right? Like, I See, I think there was... He wasn't so much better than the rest of the field, but... He has that it factor. Like, he's a playmaker, and that's so hard to find at that position. Like, 
it's so hard to be consistent at that position and do that. But like honestly, for a like a seventeen year old rookie to come in to a region that historically it takes the rookie some time to like nobody stands out. Everyone's like a lot of the new players are good in the LCK. A lot of the young players are very good, but just because of the nature of how the league is played, it's hard for them to like truly stand out like as playmakers. Carrier was playing like he's been playing the game for five years. Like he looks like he's he Carrier was playing the game like he was Mata like two years ago. Like he's like he's like I'm going to the Hall of Fame. I already know I'm good. Uh, I'm not afraid. I don't have to hurt my ego. Like he had no fear. It felt like every time this team started losing games, he was there to make a play on it. Right? Did did that feel like that way to anybody else? Like he kind of just had that. Like he just he's clutch. I, I know it's like such a like a like a cliche thing, but like it really did feel. I, like there were so many moments that stuck out to me. Like there was the, the game earlier in the season where, like they got first blooded bottom game bottom lane, and like he just like took it all in on Pike. He was like, I have to flip this game, or we're just gonna lose. And like just hard carry the game after after giving first blood. Like got back to lane and then hard carried for the rest of the game. Like, is there some sort of weird correlation between like being sick at Pike and being like a top tier support? Because like. Think like like Hilla saying Nikki like all, all these people that we think are like really really good supports in their regions and and Carrie obviously fits it too but like what I don't know what that is it, it's kind of odd to me but yeah I think that's thresh popped into my mind like playmaking support like because they're feast or famine like because you have to make shit happen and if you don't don't pick that champion like that's what like unless you need to make shit happen or you need to shut your lane down and the rest of your team has to carry and I think. Like some Chelsea was another one. Like just make plays, and these guys do that like so consistently. Like, I feel like no play ever went bad for Carrier this split. Like there were games, like there were games where they were like extremely far behind. That like yeah, you're gonna lose that game sometimes. But he pulled a couple games from the brink too. So yeah, I think Carrier we were unanimous on. Um, anybody want to add anything more? Do we go to the next unanimous one? I mean, it's already hard to stand out in such a strong team like Dragon X. And for Carrier to be the support, traditionally not the one that you think about needing to carry, he stands out. So hard to not argue with him for the best support of the region. Yeah, I, I think we, we I said that a bunch earlier in the season. Like, how insane is it that the two rookies on this team stood out with Chovy and Deft on their team? Yeah, really crazy. Like, it's ridiculous. Like that, it honestly gives me a lot of hope for Korea moving forward because, like, if there's these like young players that like you can foster this kind of talent and. Just he he's plays he plays wise beyond his years. That's what it is to me. Like that's an he's intangible been, that it's hard to explain until unless you've watched a lot of league. Like he just he plays like he's been of he's like a grizzled veteran and he's seventeen. It's the John argument, right? The, the new guard, he's yeah, he's better. Um, other unanimous was Chovy. Uh, dude is a savage. Maybe the best laner on the planet. Like pure laning. This is ridiculous. How many matchups does Cho? How many matchups has Chovy like absolutely dumpstered this split with no help in a counter matchup? Like it's how often do you have to do it before people are just like, I don't know what to do about this guy. Do like he, he just like takes Aatrox into like Azir, <laughs> yeah, and wins lane. Like it, it actually hurts my brain to think about. Like I don't know. This was weird because, like, there was a bunch. Like, BDD was extremely good this season. Uh, Faker also had a great season. Uh, who am I forgetting? 
Um, Kuro, until the playoffs, had an outstanding yeah. season, too. But, like, Chovy is – it says something that he stood out that much when BDD had the ridiculous season he did and Faker had a great season and Faker's Faker. So, yeah, we are both unanimous on these two. Same team. Jeez, uh, just hella fun players to watch. Uh, we'll skip to the top lane, I guess. So, we had – I'm the only one on on anybody different, but you guys all had Kana. So I don't know who who wants to who wants to stand up to Kana, and then I'll I'll say the my part. I would I would just say that it's very similar to the Caria argument. Is that he came in and was insanely strong, way beyond what anyone expected of him. Everybody was thinking that this was going to be by far the weak link in SKT, and in a lot of their matchups, he actually ended up being one of the strongest points on the team in the, in his matchup. So. It's hard not to, you know, they won the league and they weren't going to do that without one of the best top laners in the league and just an insane overperformance from him. I mean, also he, I mean, he was the MVP of the finals to me. Like he, he won that series for them. I mean, the whole team played really, really well, but like he dominated like <laughs> both playoff series. So um, I put Keen just because like, I don't know. Like, I think Kana's a fine answer here, too. Like, I I think Kana's fine. I think Keen, to me, it's really hard to – It's sometimes it's easy to stand out on a bad team, and Afrika kind of just went to shit really fast. And you could make the argument that he wasn't necessarily being a team player with, like, some of the selfish picks he took, but he would take selfish picks and deliver on them which I, I give a lot of credit to. It's kind of like Bwipo where he will do some off-the-wall stuff. He's like one of the – Keen's one of the few people that I actually trust to play Lucian top or like a Vayne top or, or like – and like actually execute on it every single time. Jace. Um, yeah, I, to me, I, I think it was these two, and I don't think there was anybody else you could even put in this conversation really, like sincerely. Somebody voted. I, I know in the LCK voting there was a couple AXU votes, and they just triggered me so much because I'm, I'm not arguing for a different show. Uh, I, I will say, go ahead. I will say I think Summit's actually the best top laner in the region, but he didn't have the best split, and and we're voting based on this split. So. Yeah, I think I think Summit and Keen have the same kind of situation going on, where like what the hell's going on around them, but they're both exceptionally good. It was I didn't I put Keen here because it didn't look to me like Keen checked out it. Summit literally got benched. So maybe for lack of competition, I don't know. But, like, I don't know. I, I still think both of them are ex- extremely good. But, I mean, giving Kana this award is, is totally fine to me. I think Kana was ridiculous. And, again, it's the same thing. Like, standing out as the one question mark going into the season, it, it speaks volumes to me. Jungle. Uh, looks like we had two votes for Clid. Josh and Chris, you voted for Clid. Yeah, it's just good. I like Piosic, Piosic as my second option as well. But Clid is just amazing for for that team. Um, and switching teams is never easy, but to continue to play at a high level and making Gen G like what did the number one seed? Did they finish number one? Yeah, they finished number one. And it's large part due to the high levels of play between him and Ruler uh, for me. The whole split. Uh, I had I don't know, Josh. You want to tag in on that, or was it just? Yeah, I, was, I mean, I thought him and Piosic were both very, very, very close. I What I think of for a jungler, I think especially in the current meta, uh, 
Like a lot of your work has to be done in the early game because after that you're just going to be feeding farm to your carries. And I think Clid was better in the early game than, than Pyos, like personally. Um, and he, he had like better goal differential numbers and whatnot too. That's my Dardock argument. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that that's just kind of why I gave him the edge. I think it's extremely close. Uh, I I had Cuz. Uh, I just think versatility. Like he Cuz kind of did everything. He's he's really dominant on like certain picks. The Gragas he's just ridiculous on. So like that gives you enough leverage in draft. And he he's just rock solid, man. Like he's just so steady every single game. Uh, I I, I to me, Clid and Cuz were. I I think a tier higher than Piosic, and I was really high on Piosic as well. But I think maybe like half a tier. I think they're like half a tier higher. I think those two, it's between those two, I think, for best jungler. I do think Piosic benefited a lot from just how ridiculous Chovy is. But you could also make the argument for these two. Um, I do like that Piosic kind of was like setting the meta for the LCK a little bit. So I think you got to give him points there. And maybe John wants to dive into that because John had Piosic for his, his jungler. Yeah, I do think he was uh, like ahead of the game a little bit in how he was playing. And... There was it's very similar to the other two guys, man. It's just we had a, a bunch of rookies come into the LCK, the most storied league, full of all the veterans who've been doing it forever, and a bunch of rookies just push people around. And uh, they definitely have, I think, definitely changed how people are going to uh, play in the LCK moving forward. So, yeah, just a, a great split, split from Piosic. Interestingly, Kanavi and Piosic both kindred one tricks. Yeah. Um. 80 carry is the only one we had left. Uh, this, this, I think this was another one that was like a stacked region, but I think the top end was just ridiculous. And I think there's even like one guy in the, in the bottom teams that you could make an argument for. Uh, I had Teddy, like Teddy, he did the Loken thing. Like he just was so good and hope he'd hope did the same thing. Like he was so, he didn't have a bad game this whole split. Like I actually don't think Teddy had a single bad game this whole split. Like he was just up, he was either above average or ridiculous level above average in every single game this split. Um, could make an argument he's the best player on this team. That's totally within bounds. I think uh, it's pretty hard to say that, you know, when you're on a team with Faker, but uh, and Kana honestly, but uh, I, he was just a rock every game. Like, yeah, I, I think it was Teddy. I think. Uh, John, you had Teddy as well, if you want to add on to that at all. Yeah, this was one I, I kind of struggled with a little bit when I was trying to think about it. And really, when I when I, I actually went back and looked at a few games for this one, because I just wasn't sure who I wanted to put here. And Teddy was just very, very impressive on a team full of very, very impressive people. Um, he was winning his lane against Death, Ruler, you no know, guys that are just legends of the game. He the was good supports in the LCK too. Like yeah, winning lanes against those types of players, I just thought it, it was hard not to give it to him here. That was that was my ending on that. I also think that Teddy brings. He's one of the few AD carries in Korea that does everything too. Like he's he will play a Ziggs or a Syndra or or you know whole play like one of these. We didn't get to see it this split, but he would play something like an Olaf with a Senna or something like that. So. Kind of not afraid to to not have an ego. He's just so solid. Like he just does everything. He's like one of these. Yeah, a wonder, a wonder of the bot lane. Kind of. Yeah. He's, he's very malleable. Very willing to do whatever his team needs of him in that game. A lot of value. Um. So Josh, you had aiming, which I thought was a, a really interesting choice. 
Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I think, I, I, again, this was stacked. I think it was very close. I think aiming really, really stood out to me because, you know, two reasons. One, one, I didn't have high hopes for KT really coming into the split um, and really thought he put them on his back and just backpacked to the team. Um, but also just like his underlying numbers were, were all really good. I mean, he was on a team that had a losing record, but was still right up there in terms of KDA with, uh, you know, your Teddy and, and ruler and death and all those guys. Um, but what I thought was really interesting is that like his kill participation was over 80% and you like don't see that in major regions for any position. You don't see that. Yeah. I was going to say for any position, especially 80 carry. And like, I don't know. I mean, to me, to be on a team that's, you know, going 50, 50 or whatever. And to have like, I don't know. I just, his performances were just every time, like I would t- tune into a game and be like, oh, yeah, KT's probably going to lose this matchup. And then they'd win and it'd just be like aiming just goes nuts. Or even if they lose, he would still be good. Like, I don't know. I just, I think it's definitely not, I think Teddy's definitely up there. I just thought aiming stood out a little bit more to me, honestly, That's than fair. Teddy. I'll, I'll say this too, just like kind of as a shout out because we already went through jungle, but I actually had Bono as like my, my third or fourth jungler. Because I thought I thought he was great this season, um, yeah. Like it's kind of similar thing. Like you're right. Like he he just stood out. It felt like every single game. Uh, kind. I think. I mean, Chris, I'm gonna get to yours in a second, but like, I think we all kind of have this like third scenario where like we want to respect hybrid from APK, but like, especially like teams that give all the resources to the bot lane like that, you got to deliver, and he did. Like metrics and efficiency wise, efficiency wise, he was like only Huan Fang had better efficiency numbers than him, I think, like in the world. So he was like one of these few, like like just elite damage per gold, like far above everyone else, even with these elite players. Not always the best indicator, but it's like a pretty solid one. Uh, aiming kind of felt like that, but it felt like he was standing out every game, like even when they were losing. So I, I'm I'm with you on the aiming pick. Um. Chris, you brought up another one of the eighty carries that I, I think deserves a mention in this in this spot. Yeah, I mean, Ruler has is consistently playing at the high level. I mean, it's hard to argue against the other ones too, but to me, uh, Ruler stands out that for Genji in when they when they need to um, dominate, and that's how they get the first seed, right? And I hate bring, keep bringing that up, but it's tough. It's a close race. It's a very close race, and that's why I have a slash Teddy Ruler, but. Um, I think uh, it really just edges him out in terms of um, the impact he makes. Yeah, I kind of think Ruler is going like like underappreciated here, just because like you have some pe- like Teddy was so good this season, and then like everybody wants to give the respect to aiming and and hybrid and like a lot of these guys, and then he kind of somehow just goes under the radar because it's like, dude, Ruler was. Ruler has been absolutely ridiculous for his entire career. He's so, so good. His only fault is that he's, like, never the best AD carry in Korea. That's the only thing he's ever done wrong. This is, like, a Federer-Nadal situation to me. Like, I'm pretty sure I had Ruler as my MVP in summer last season of the whole league. Yeah. Like, and honestly, if you want to make a case for Ruler, all you have to do is play that clip of him defending the Nexus against SKT on Aphelios, where they were about to come take the Nexus. He just, like, 1v5 their whole team. So that's about all you have to do, really. Ruler is like I, I he I, we just want I wanted to take some time to give him credit because people are gonna like kind of forget about him if we don't mention it but he was also insanely good this way and just like Teddy ridiculously consistent like 
every single game. Uh, MVP for Korea. I had Chovy. Uh, three of us had Chovy. Myself, Josh, and Chris. I, I, I just think so much of what that team does is like the combination of like how ridiculous Chovy is, and how that kind of unlocks them to do other things, and then like the CV Max coaching angle too. So, I had a hard time. Yeah, um, it's hard. This this I think the 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 best players in Korea on the top teams are like it's just really hard because they're they're all so good. But um, yeah, John, you had the only one that wasn't Chovy. Like jo- Josh and Chris, do you have any other comments on Chovy? Like we've kind of like talked about him a lot. So uh, John, you you said Teddy. I, I think it's totally defensible. Yeah, I think I think Chovy's a very good answer too. I th- like I said, uh, when I was trying to figure out how SKT managed to win the finals and beat Dragon X, who I thought was unbelievable, and Gen G, who was unbelievable all season, I I went back to look and to try to figure out how they did that so easily. And Teddy was the number one thing that stood out to me as a as a as a winner. So uh, just went with Teddy. But I think Chovy's a, a great answer. All right. Uh, let's throw a quick all-world team together. Uh, who wants to go first? I, I'll, I'll just go first. So this is, in my opinion, the best player at each position uh, in the world. Uh, I'm going to go Keen. A little controversial, maybe. Uh, Kanavi, Chovy, Teddy, and Karia. So there it is. Like, if I had to, if I had to put... Uh, punctuation point on like a punctuation mark on it like that to me like those are the five best players at the positions in the world right now i'll go next just because i have to go after this uh i also have keen at the top i think give him a good team and you can unlock a guy that is going to never lose well i don't want to say never but he's gonna hang if not stand out above all the top laners that i can think of so far and it's just a shame that the team that he's with uh, my jungler is Kanavi. I think it's it's hard to argue against him at this point. You have to make a case for someone else uh, where they are better at than Kanavi at this point. Uh, I still have Doinby as the mid. I think from a real like an all pro team, if he if you need an a, a mid laner that can do it all, it can activate all lanes. Doinby is the, my choice still, and I think people are just copying him now. And, We'll talk about how Niski is copying his style, and that speaks volume to how um, the mid lane can have a, a versatility, and Dwayne B brings that. He can carry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, and then uh, Teddy ADC, I think it's um, still one of the best in in the position uh that shows at the high level he hasn't quit uh he know he's he's tasted championship in lck but that hasn't stopped him because he wants worlds and hungry hungry guy for worlds is my type of guy and then i like kiria uh mickey x is also my second uh, choice but kiria is just um right now very much um the support that i want to model my game after who wants to go next I can go next. Um, I had Zoom as my top laner. We didn't get to see him for the full season, but he was absolutely incredible when we did see him. And sometimes there's just also, like, China's, for me, by far the toughest region, and he was the best top laner in China. So it's a little bit tough for me to go anywhere else with it. I didn't think Kana was as good. Yeah, it's just it's just a little tough to go anywhere else. Uh, for jungle, I went Kanavi. I think Kanavi and Yankos is the argument, kind of the way that people have talked about who's better right now. 
Um, for the mid lane, uh, I went Knight, as you might have guessed, since he's the CEO of League of Legends. And That's I want to put like a little, <laughs> I want to put a little sidebar on this: is we have to find some sort of bet to make, because when Knight just donkey punches the shit out of Chovy when they play, I just want all the credit in the world when Chovy's just crying when he, he probably quits the team after he plays against Knight. It's like I'm just never going to get there after I play against Knight. And then for the bot lane, I went uh, Teddy. I didn't think any of the 80 carries in the other regions stood out at a level where they would contest. Um, and then for support, Mickey X. I think Mickey X, uh, for me, was was a head and shoulders better. Uh, some other people pick Carrier, which I think is all right, but I think Mickey X is by far the best. Yeah, I think for me, like, I think top lane is interesting. I, I think to me, Kanabi and Yanko. So I have Keen in top lane, obviously, because I said it for LCK. Uh, Zoom totally makes sense. Like, totally reasonable, I think. Uh, you could maybe put Wonder in that conversation, which is nuts, right? Anyway, uh, Kana- I, I think jungle is between Kanavi and Yankos. I don't think it's particularly – right now, I don't think it's particularly close. Although I will say I think there's a lot of guys that are, like, on the bubble that if they just have a better summer that I'd start considering again. Um, I have Chovy. I, I really do think there's just so many mid laners that you can that you could point to. Uh Knight, Doin B, BDD. There's just a whole a whole slew of perks. Like there's just a whole slew of them. Uh I put Teddy at eighty carry also. I think there's a number of guys that are defensible in this position as well. And then I put T- Carry, I think it's Carry and Mickey X. Like I could see Mickey X just because we've seen more. We don't know how Carrie is going to react on like the big, big stage, uh, assuming they get there. Uh, but I think right now it's like those two, and then like I think maybe probably like Lumao is the next one, right? Probably, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my uh, my all world team, Josh. Your all world team. Yeah. Uh, so what we something that would have been interesting to think about is uh, because I when you just said winner kind of parked it in my mind, but like actually forming like the best team in terms of like what players do in terms of playing for the team um, versus just the best players. But I did obviously the best players. I went uh, Zoom, Yankos, Knight, Hope, and Mickey X. Uh, Hope again fall, pulling through through the LPL. That's the weird one. Uh, Teddy was really the consensus here. Um, I don't think you can really argue against Teddy. I just think that he – I do think that Teddy gets the advantage of playing in a uh, – region that plays to a style that feeds into 80 carries pairing, whereas Hope plays in a region that's the exact opposite. And while his team goes against that, like he uses a slower scaling team, the fact that he's not like dying all the time from these teams that are hyper-aggressive diving bot lane early, like, I don't know, it's super impressive to me. So I, I do think he had the, had the best split of any 80 carry. Isn't it crazy um, that we've come that far with him? Like, I don't know if you listened to us, like, over last summer uh, that much, Josh, but, like, I-, I had so many question marks for him. Like, I mean, maybe it's just that he was, like, getting subbed in and now he's in a full-time role. But, man, what a I- – I don't want to say a turnaround because, like – but, like, it kind of does feel that way because he was really bad when he was playing last year. And now he's in that conversation for best in the world. It's kind of nuts, like – yeah. We'll have to do the building the hypothetical best team like at a yeah. time. Like, fi- fi- got to finish up. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no worries. I think uh, the other one for me was uh, Yankos was the only other one that was different than consensus. 
or when I can be, I, I do, I mean, again, those two are neck and neck to me. I just think, um, I don't know. It, it's really hard to say. I, I just think Yankos is a little bit better just because like he has shown the ability to obviously like the meme, like he can play Sejuani, but he also can make like champions that suck, like Lee Sin or Rek'Sai look good. And I don't think that, like, I, I don't think that should be taken lightly given the state of those champions right now. True. Uh, he, he, he's someone I would trust kind of like regardless of the champion. Um, so yeah, I, I really like Yankos there. And then <laughs> John's making me not want to choose Knight in the midday. I did one thing I wanted to say about Knight versus Chovy here is I think, uh, we, we touched on it. I think Chovy's the best laner in, in the world. What I do think is that he doesn't necessarily have the most impact on games because while just like neutralizing and destroying your lane opponent is a very effective way to play League of Legends and especially in the mid lane. I do think that like being able to win your lane and then go affect other lanes too is really big. And like he, he does that. He's shown that, right? He can do that. It's not saying he can't, but Knight does that a lot more frequently in my opinion. So that, that's kind of where I gave that the edge to. And maybe that's a little bit talking about the team building portion, but I think Knight just has a little bit more agency both in, in, in like the team fighting portion of the game, which I think is important. I think that's if you guys a aren't, argument. If you guys aren't careful. You're going to get fired from League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think I think Knight is totally within reason on this. I, admittedly, I just have a love fest for Chovy, so I'm a little bit biased there. But I, I think Knight is probably the best candidate other than him for this spot. Also, looking again at the situation, like as good as Top were, like it was so much on him. Like, kind of rookie was kind of like the same spot where, like, I don't know what this team is without him. Like, they're probably okay. But like, like, cause even think back to the top without Jackie Love too, and like Knight was just dumping every single game. So, uh, yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. Also, like, I, I, yeah, no, no, no disrespect there whatsoever. I think, yeah, I was gonna say one other thing to like consider is like when we're doing the RL Pro team for all these other regions, like we had both Piosic and Caria on our first teams. A lot of us, whereas like. We would have never had the, the top support, whatever the hell that is, but juggling act or, or Carso really yeah. even, even in the top three of those positions. So I think that's, that's kind of aids him a little bit as well. That's true. That's true. Uh, maybe we'll save this one for another time, I think, because we've run pretty long as it is. My pick of the week is night. Reasonable. Totally reasonable. I don't know how we're going to grade this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to grade this pick of the week, but uh, I in think the LPR PK tournament, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, you know what? That might, you know, yeah. You want to beer bet this, John? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's beer bet this. I'll buy you. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you whatever. I'll get you a case. I'll get you a case of. Is this, is this game? Is this like KDA? Is this like CS at 15? Like what, what is, well, what is... let's, let's ha- we'll hammer out some details and we'll, we'll, cause I don't think this tournament's happening this week. So we'll, we'll hammer we'll out think... some details for the next episode and we'll, we'll come up with a, with a bet for it. Sound good. Absolutely. All right. No games this week besides check out EU masters, check out Turkish finals, which I'll note there was some pretty sick underdog things in the TCL this week in the playoffs. So Look out for them instant bull wildcats, man. Don't don't joke around with them. They're, they're kind of making a little run here. So, uh, TCL, watch EU Masters. Uh, let us know what you guys think of this stuff. Let us know if you think we're stupid, if we're out of ba- off base, whatever. I want to hear it. I want discussion about all this stuff. So, um, everybody enjoy 
good luck with the whatever wagers, whatever DFS you're doing. Probably you masters at this point for most people, right? Yep. Um, enjoy. Uh, and if you're not partaking in that, enjoy the time off. Uh, take some time to unwind. I think it's very important to do that from time to time. That's mostly what I've been doing. So, uh, yeah, shoot us some listener questions. Shoot us some topic ideas that you guys have. We, we, we kind of got a couple weeks here to, to play around and, and mess with the format a little. So, uh, unless you guys have anything else, I think we're going to get on out of here. No, just keep an eye on Twitter, people. There's some there's some stuff a brew, some things afoot. Oh, John's got Twitter. some more cryptic tweets coming out. Oh yeah, there's some stuff afoot. Keep your eye on me. <laughs> All right, guys. Everybody have a good night and uh, good luck with everything this weekend. Have a good one, everybody. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is "Clouds" by Harvey and the Hendersons. Closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.